belt in the hands of any other man is just a belt. In my hands it becomes power. Just like this microphone in the hands of any of the boys in the back is just a microphone. You put it in the hands of a dangerous man like myself and it becomes a pipe bomb. Ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to Warrior Show's stream report covering Izuken or Izoken, however you pronounce it, tomato, tomato. You know, I'm terrible for this. This is why you love me. I am, of course, Shaden, and joining me as always from across the pond, but close to my heart, is the Soul Doctor. He's over in that direction, I believe. I could be wrong. Do you have a compass? I, you... I need to mark it in giant pen on the walls of my house. It needs to be an N or a, like a W or Southeast, whatever, you know. It needs to be completely obnoxious. I'm... I'll figure out eventually. I, I am really into the idea of becoming a cardinal direction in your house. Like, which way's the restroom? It's a dock by dock east. It's, down a, it's, the a, it's a Jew, it's, it's Jew dock. There you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hi, everyone. So happy to be back here doing this, talking about this super fun show, and happy oh, you could join yeah. us. Damn right. Okay, so we do have a bit of housekeeping this week because we're still in the kind of the uh, Vinland saga afterglow, so to speak. And therefore, we want to, uh, you know, cover our previous polls, get those out of the way. Then, of course, we'll cover the polls from episode two. I'll go through the plot of Azokin after Doc also then gives us a quick summary of the creatives this time around. And then we'll get into our talking points. And we've got not one, not two, but three times the patron questions, you know. So we're going to have plenty to talk about as this particular episode goes along. So, all right, so let's start off with the polls. Let's let's truly wrap up Vinland Saga for now until season two oh. comes out. Oh. oh, oh, okay, all right. Oh, uh, oh, that's a that's a that's a that's a look. Yeah, you'll so I you know when you said we had two sets of polls, I thought you meant the Azokin ones that hadn't closed last time we did mm. an episode. So technically, not only do we have three times the patron questions, we have three times. We've got all the primaries going in, you know. I mean, that technically is started in the US, as I understand it. <laughs> oh, it's a Ben it's all a, you fucking void for, by the way. It's a hell of a time. Don't make the don't make the mistake my fucking country did. Jesus, it's a hell of a time. Uh, people coming out saying dumb shit uh, every single hour of every single day. <laughs> but no, welcome okay. to the internet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hello, this is Planet Earth. Uh, so now I'm now ready. I have the Vinland polls and I have both Azekin polls. Would you like to start with Vinland Saga? Yeah, we'll get Vinland done first and okay. move on to Azekin. <sighs> Rip Vinland. I barely knew ye. But but I am ordering that manga. And if you all out there, patron and public alike, pressure Shadon, uh, we will do we'll continue covering the manga, but one volume. Yeah, if you at a time. if you literally jump in through my living room window and just shake me by the shoulders, I may well end up talking about it on a podcast. 
Although you're going to have to pay for the window after you're done, so maybe you can just knock on my door first. <laughs> that might be You know, good. Let's, let's use the actual entrance to the house, you know, so I, that tell me in person about why I should cover it. Or you can talk to me on the internet. Maybe that might be simpler. I don't know. Hmm. There's a talking Seems deal good. on the internet. That's a good idea. Just this, don't... This, <laughs> so, this plan might have, a, you know, more legs to it than I gave it credit for. Don't enter your house the Viking way. Is that what you're saying? Well... Half and half, like entering the Viking way. If you're bringing all the booze and stuff, then yes. <laughs> I guess it's if okay I, if you smash the wall. Yeah, it, yeah. If, if you're entering, like you know, by setting it on fire or you know, like smashing it with a uh, you know a hatchet, maybe not so much. I don't know if my insurance covers that. I'm just saying, you know, Vikings is not a subclause. I mean, that sounds like an act of God to me. Like a troop of Vikings storming into your house. I don't quite, know. Quite poss- Quite possibly. All right. So Surely the Geico, the Geico has to cover that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> villain saga finale hole number one is Askeladd's reaction face to the whale's invasion plan the greatest face in anime history no question takes it 74% it's to... like this he's just like can't cope it's just, just like he just looks like his soul has left his body through his yeah. through his mouth. It's incredible. That 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 is that is what you you know. If I were to screenshot that and I would save it, I would call when you know you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It totally is. Pull two. Askeladd, the decapitator, the king insulter. <laughs> the choices are scrub or real one. Real one takes it eighty nine percent. Hell yeah, Askeladd is you, indeed a real. You one. didn't even you didn't even call him the king slayer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Too easy. God damn it. I mean, um, I mean, alongside Lefov Gullet and also uh, Jamie Lannister, like Jamie. No Askeladd's mm-hmm. joined that very exclusive club of people who decide, you know, that crown would look better elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just like Jamie, uh, it was not he who got to wear it. Why well, did he fuck his sister? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but when he killed, uh, no, I mean, I mean, did Askeladd? No. Sorry. <laughs> No, that's he may I mean. well listen. I, it doesn't say, but just because it doesn't explicitly deny it, does not mean we can rule that, it out. Oh, that's a subset of Vinland Saga <laughs> fanfic I never want to read. I'm just going to put that out there now. Okay, so I, I will not take the bait and jump into uh, Song of Ice and Fire minutia. We'll move on to poll three. Thorfinn scream slash guttural noise at the end. Best of its kind in voice acting. Yes, takes it. With eighty-five percent of the vote, those are the polls for Vinland can't Saga. Disagree. Can't disagree there. All right, uh, and then we have the Azekin polls. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's give those a look. See for yep. episode two. Well, uh, we've we checked in on episode one, but they hadn't finished. So now that oh, they're yes, you're right. now that they're finalized, I'll quickly read through those again. Uh, I don't know if they've changed that much, but here we go. So, is Masaki Yuasa the best fit for possible for this adaptation? 55% say yes, closer than... Oh, well, there's yes and yes. So the, the mild-mannered yes takes so it. Every, so everyone said yes in the end. Yes, exactly. Um, would you defy orders to join the anime club? Hi, takes it with 82%. And Kanamori's backpack, 73.8% believe it is best, not just good, and certainly not bad. Now, episode two. The polls have closed, but you can vote for the polls that will be appearing for episode three on our Twitter page at watery death show on twitter twitter.com slash watery death show um what is the ideal solution to a problem as per the dow of kanamori <laughs> money or violence money takes it 57 percent 
Um, she, she has that's a bit of an up- on, upset. Yeah, <laughs> She has focused a bit more on money throughout the show thus far. In fact, I think that the ratio that everyone's got there is probably about accurate to how she's treated, like, the other characters in the show thus far. Like, tiny little bit more money, not entirely less violence. I think you could be on something there, folks. But uh, my favorite reply to this is from Wingles, uh, 1312 on Twitter, who understands that this poll is another instance of yes and yes when they say... (laughs) Implicit and explicit <laughs> violence underlies all monetary relations. <laughs> so, violence right, is the who's, only who's, choice. Who's been evoking the ghost of Karl Marx again? <laughs> Fess yep, up. Totally. Listen. Marx has a Twitter account now. I'm that's, into it. That's how we go. I'm into it. Poll I reckon, two. I reckon um, Katamori would probably have a fist fight with Marx, actually. Because she's all about making that dough. Yeah. she to, to Completely. And she would find some very arbitrarily specific reason to dislike him. Like, you know, well, I don't like, like anyone who begins. <laughs> You're right. I don't like anyone who begins their conversations with uh, a Marx. tribute to their their forebears or something like that. I love how she does that. <laughs> love it. Um, poll two: Would you use uh, Asakusa's helicopter belt? Hell yes. And probably the easiest poll ever. Uh, wins by eighty five percent, and fourteen point three percent of you are cowards. Hey, I, I, like I said to, on the previous podcast, you know, like, I don't want to reach my hand down by accident just looking for my wallet and then come back and like, where's it gone? Why is there a stump here? And why am I leaking strawberry jam all over the place? That's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, I'll try and grab the, with my other hand. Oh, no, now that's gone oh, too. Oh, no. So you've just described how I lost part of my finger in a, a lawnmower accident. <laughs> Basically that. <laughs> well, did, you, did you get your wallet in there? Un- unfortunately, not my wallet. It was basically like, uh, so there's like a an exit chute on the side of this mower I had that like, so the blade is underneath and to the side of the blade is meant to be a chute that pushes out all the clippings, but it had gotten clogged. And I thought Stick that the clippings were sticking far enough out where I could grab the end of them and pull them out of there with, while it was still going because I didn't want to waste all that time and energy turning the machine off and back on. Uh, I was in a hurry. So uh, I sacrificed the tip of my finger for that. Um, this was five years ago. No, almost. I guess this year... Uh, in about eight months, it will be the six-year anniversary of... Uh, rest in peace. Yes, rest in uh, peace, finger, top of my finger middle tip. finger. <laughs> um, may, may you forever serve your purpose as lawnmower PSA material. Please, if if I can get just one person to not do this. Um, poll three. Did you find Asakusa's and Mizusaki's descriptions of how anime is created, including the visuals? informative and effective honest to goodness this might be the most lopsided poll we've ever had we did um, we've had a, a couple of hundreds to be fair you know have we oh okay okay well i guess without being a hundred percent this is 97.4 you percent know, say they loved it and 2.6 percent said not so much show your reveal yourself 2.6 percent you like pedantic sakuga nerds <laughs> out yourself. I'll just, I'll just, I just Take want your people in punishment. chat. I just want to follow people in chat saying, like, you know, press F to pay your respects for Doc's finger. Doc would press F to pay respects for his finger himself, but it doesn't really work properly. Hey, I can't reach the F key. Ah, <laughs> uh, gutted. 
All right. Well, anyway, thank you very much to everyone who's taken part in the polls. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, chipping in your little two cents there. Plenty more, you know, time coming up as we go along with more polls for you to do that. You can find them at Warrior Death Show on Twitter. And I believe that now takes us over to the creatives for this particular episode. Would you be willing to uh, fire away with that? Yeah, yeah, I can talk some more. I got no problem with talking about... You're on an anime podcast. Uh I hope you're not about to reveal some sort of, like, crippling personality flaw when it comes to talking. We've been doing this for four years, man! You would have discovered it by now, I think, if if that were the case. But luckily, it's not. So I can talk about Jiseki wo Uchitatero. That was a terrible mispronunciation. Uh, that is the Japanese for let's accomplish something. This is episode three of Ezoken, directed by Yuki. Igarashi, not to be confused with Castlevania man, Koji. I think he's Koji Igarashi. Um, someone in chat will probably know, but but Yuki-san uh, here is a key animator uh, of some repute, I believe. Mm. Uh, this is their first time to do uh, episode to... No, no. Oh, wait a minute. That is for Azuken. I was, I was, I saw episode direction and I was like, oh, wait. And then it was like, well, that is for Azekin itself. So, uh, no, I think this is their first time to do direction, but they did the storyboards as well. They were the animation director, the mecha designer, a key animator, and prop designer, all for this episode. So, Damn. hell yeah. Like, doing the heavy lifting, Yuki-san. Um, but Igarashi previously had worked on uh, Guilty Crown, key animator. Um but look, if there's a thing that you can say for that show, is that it at times looked nice. No! At times it was barely fucking animated. <laughs> the second half of that show was like watching a PowerPoint. Like, uh, I mean... Does, uh, does Flip... Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. <laughs> does Flip Flappers do anything for you? Uh, I know of it. I know it's a thing. It's a really beautiful thing. Uh, key, key animation for episodes 3, 5, and 12. Uh, Bongo Stray Dogs um, was a key animator for the ending of season 2. I love to say Bongo Stray Dogs. Bongo is a fun thing to say. Bo- is it Bungo? Bunga? Bungo? Either sounds, way. Sounds like, sounds like umbongoing, <laughs> like, you know, knockoff, uh, like, you know, uh, fruit juice that we have in the UK. Uh, I want to shout out that this credit here. Miss Hokusai, um, a movie that I love a lot, that I have done a podcast about with my significant other, my wife and partner. Uh, we talked about that movie, and you, cheat, you cheated on me. I did. Mm-hmm. With I cheated on you with my actual spouse. Um, the other, she's the other woman for once. Hey, there you go. Um, no, so uh, Yuki-san was Yuki-san did the brush animation. In Miss Hokusai, well, I don't know if I should say the brush animation because the credit here is just, I don't know if, if they did all of it, but the brush animation in this show about Japanese painters is unbelievable. So that's an amazing thing that they have done there. Um, is there anything else? Um, there is actually. I will I will uh, chip in for once on the creative do it. Rather, than sit, rather than sitting back like this. Oh, yes. Perfectly posture. No, um, 
I have this on a good authority from Yukinon who told us in our Discord chat. Uh, we of course have ending title cards that we have unfortunately neglected to mention over the past two episodes because I don't know if you know this, folks. Uh, we're kind of bad. Sorry for the spoiler, you know, and the late, uh, you know, late four, fourth year revelation here. I know. But title card this time around is done by someone named uh, Tsuzuki Mizu. Who is Tsuzuki Mizu? I believe that it's the manga car for Girls Last Tour. Ooh. That is, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I know that's one of Buggy, uh, of, uh, of Third Seat by the Windows, uh, favorite things. And that's an anime I'm looking to get into. I, I picked it up on sale over the holiday, and I've not seen it yet, but I'm very excited to dive into it. I've heard, um, I've heard it compared to Near Automata in certain ways before, so that's intriguing. We'll see. Oh, uh, oh, so it's like it repeats itself several times with new twists each time, and also is incredibly emotionally depressing. Could... Also, inexplicably features daftness like how androids can eat, you know, fish. Mm-hmm. That could be true. Yeah. You, know, you know, oh, God. T- 2B can have a little, you know, uh, God, salmon. Just saying. All right. So, those crepes covered. Let's talk about the episode itself. Bungo, so, according to chat, by the way. Bungo. Bungo. Bungo means books. Not, not, not bungo. Not, or, <laughs> or, like, not oingo. You know, I feel, I, feel like, I feel like there's degrees of, like, you know, uh, verbal decay that could go along here if you get more and more drunk trying to say that name. So, anyway, don't don't go watch Bongo Stray Dogs. Go watch Bungo Stray Dogs, just saying. Yeah. Oh, and in chat, so we have someone saying that <clears throat> Igarashi was... Only starting to get noticed a few years ago. I think that was probably like I, I don't know if it was in terms of getting higher profile gigs. Certainly, I think quote unquote a few years ago. Uh, maybe that's like from the Western Sakuga um, fandom because uh, they've been working um, for like the better part of the decade. Um, I think the oldest thing on the list is, um, and maybe this is why they didn't get noticed because they were working on like battle spirits, uh, a whole bunch of battle spirits um, in the earlier parts of the of the decade. So maybe that's why. And then, like I said, so as the decade went along, you know, they were in flip flappers, they were in other things. Um, maybe the guilty crown work, like you said, didn't really jump off the page. Um, well, it did. It didn't move <laughs> off the page at all. <laughs> it didn't in, move. Like the second half of that show. Um, I, oh, Mob Psycho One Hundred. There's, there's a thing. Key, hey, there we go. Key they, they, animation. They, they, uh, look, every every crazy entitled to their turkey. If they're entitled to a turkey. If you're in flip, that that's how they got noticed over here. If you were in Flip Flappers and Mob Psycho doing key animation, the the folks that are animation nerds are gonna gonna stand you. Like those are two very popular shows in those communities, and that will get you uh, some acclaim. No doubt. Hmm. Just don't... Well, I mean, we are watching an anime about making anime here, so I suppose maybe the lesson is, you know, like, hey, you know what? If you start simply and, like, you know, don't go too far, like, overboard, mm-hmm. that's great, but just don't get involved in some, like, real dire shit, if at all possible. That might also be a good lesson to have. All right. So let's talk about the episode proper. So, uh, episode three, let's accomplish something. What do we open with? We open with the Aizuka getting its own logo in a giant, like, little badge that's put on top of the, uh, you know, corrugated uh, iron shed that they seem to, you know, reside in. Uh, this is what Asuka and uh, Mizuzaki put up there. And 
this is of course the point where Kanamori intervenes like you know just points out hey uh this is all well and good you know us putting up a studio sign but we kind of need an actual project you know we've got to you know do things in order here a sentiment <laughs> i would personally agree with but what i really like about this scene by the way uh is that before we cut to the op the logo itself starts animating and mm-hmm. obviously this is like you know Kanamori and Asakusa's like you know own little like way of imagining what it would look like if they got to do like you know the studio's opening animation like if you've seen a Pixar film you've seen the lamp jumping up and down on the eye for example that kind of thing or even something as simple as Studio Ghibli's like trademark blue background with the Totoro logo mm-hmm. every every studio's got to like have a logo like yeah. that these days although a lot of them actually aren't animated from my memory at least I mean, I think of Studio Trigger, for example, and they've got their own, like, unique logo, but I've never seen them, you know, do the obvious bang-bang thing that you could, in theory, do. But that's not very all there. But what I like about this scene, just as a small talking point, which doesn't need to be belabored to, is I think this is actually also really nice as an indication of when the club starts, like, properly. Like, this is the Mm. big starting point for them, when it really starts to get moving, you know? I really like that. And there's going to be plenty more for me to talk about how they blend together the fantasy with the character stuff later on. Mm -hmm. So... So, post-OP, what do we need to do? We need to actually start repairing the place. But as you've already gathered from the group dynamic here, Kanamori is the one who's in charge, and she's reading up her own version of what seems like the ca- like her manifesto if she were a political party leader. I mean, I'd vote for her, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. Yes. Oh, easily. Uh, but unfortunately, her two, you know, anime underlings are distracted by things like butterflies and raccoons and, you know... They really like do that. make them look simple-minded in this part. Um, I, I mean, that that is consistent though with their characters in that you know they are, like it's just that they are all easily distracted. Yeah, maybe that's uncharitable, then... simple-minded, but it's just like their <laughs> imaginations are so like proactive and you know uh, uh, vivid that they can take any concept and and play with it and run with it. So let's let's yeah. go with that. And yeah, very cute raccoon. Yeah. Um but this is the point where of course Kanamori starts channeling something I've said previously, which is the Kirian Satsuki energy. I mean I am I if I had the time, I would have got like a side by side picture of Kanamori like standing over them and then Satsuki like, you know, in the same Twitter post. It's mm-hmm. like spot the difference. Spoilers there aren't any. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> uh, but she gets them in line and gets them to work, you know game repairs on the roof done and this is however the point where you know okay hey Asuka's like you know simple mind all that you know always gets distracted so next thing you know uh, she's imagining that she's repairing the outside of a spaceship because why not why why wouldn't you like you know have a little bit of a daydream to try and make the drudgery of something like something menial like repairing this crappy like you know corrugated iron like shed better and this is where Asuka's like starts discussing various things. Like I've said before, for example, on this podcast about the idea of, hey, do you include sound in space or not? Because sound in space, you know, is, well, it doesn't work like that. There is no sound in space. It's a vacuum. You know, in space, no one can hear you scream, not because, you know, it's dramatic, but because the laws of physics say so. Sorry. Um, I prefer so- the Gundam take where you shoot bullets in space. Yeah. It's good. You can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I prefer the Gundam take as well, where you can self-destruct your mech and everyone else around you is destroyed for, like, hundreds of thousands of miles. But you're fine. You're totally fine. Cesar, can we get a can we get a Kanamori Sanders ticket in our country, in the United States, please? No, just Kanamori. Fuck you. Don't even <laughs> You have to have a running mate. You have to have, you know, well, I guess you, I don't know, she'd do Mizuzaki-chi. Sure. 
Kanamori's got Kanamori's got enough like you know big like you know political energy to like you know cover the two. I'm just saying. I'm president and vice president, suckers. Deal with it. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so you know, Asuka's just like you know enjoying like this image of in her mind of like spray painting the outside of the ship, thinking about all the minutiae of how it works, like even the painting process, how does this work in a vacuum, etc. And of course, Kanamori pops right out. Asuka's has got a bucket on her head. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 has how do I put this like it has definitely seen better days. I mean, I thought the shed itself looked like it'd been through hell and back, but this looks like something she picks up in the video game Rust. So hey, there we are. And she's of course spray painting a bunny on the outside of the shed rather than actually fixing any of it. Um, this is the point where they go and move on. It's like your camera is like, okay, look, let's just get the big stuff out of the way first. Let's do the roof. Let's let's go for the roof. There's no way this could possibly go wrong. That scene, um, man. Like, someone should go edit Urban Dictionary and go to the, the vibe check entry and just put a picture of Kanamori. She is just uh, a living, breathing vibe check. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I- I'll say this right, you know, like, this episode's events technically could just constitute, like, various WikiHow articles, but they're infinitely more interesting, like, when they're animated like this way. I will say that much. Yes. Uh, so... Asakusa like sends up the uh, you know the sheet to be put over the ho- hole, uh, but this is the point, of course, where almost immediately they're back in uh, the fantasy land, and this is where we get Asakusa's uh, you know laboriously detailed spaceship design, which I adore. I adore it for a number of reasons. Like it really does feel like something that she's totally into, and you get like the wonderful like snarky details, like oh, this is this ramen bowl that can be eaten in space. It costs twelve billion yen to develop. That's incredible. And hey, money well spent in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Um, but this, of course, is all interv- interspersed, like, you know, it cuts back and forth to Kanamori, who's building a desk. Uh, that's it. That's all she's doing. And as someone who built the very desk of which my PC equipment is on right now, I'm going to tell you this for free. It was a ball ache. I was not a, fa- I was <laughs> not a fan of it. Like, here's my IKEA instructions. They're 60 steps long. And there's just some insufferable nonsense that you have to deal with it. Enjoy. I was like, oh, great. Uh, so they end up like, you know, this whole like spaceship sequence, like they start like, you know, um, thinking that they're struggling and then they in like make up like a little storyline of how, you know, they're running out of um, oxygen. That's it started hailing outside. And in turn, the ladder falls down. Mm-hmm. So still inside this little uh, collective uh, you know fantasy crazy fantasy of theirs uh, they describe like say as auction running out and so they call for help to Kanamori and without skipping a beat like she pretends that she's like Capcom you know like she's mission control while she's still sawing out this desk and it's amazing like how she then gets sucked in as well and so yep. she's just like hmm there's a problem I need to get outside to help them how do I do this how do I get outside quickly and easily? So what would an 80s juice advert do? Bust through a wall! <laughs> exactly. Kanamori yes. is the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yep. Oh, so man. she she busts Good. out, but she finds that they've actually already Good. made it down safely. Uh which is a pot point, uh, sorry, a talking point I will get to later, <laughs> so I'll put a pin in that. But okay. yeah, they've made it back, which is great. Um so they get back inside and then they start discussing like, you know, what they're going to do next in terms of projects. They want to make something high quality. But this is, of course, is where Mr. Oh, my beard is too heavy, so I can't like leave my head forward. 
That's why he's always leaning his head back. Because his beard is so heavy, it actually like tilts his like oh, so tilts good. his head back. It's like oh my, oh my, my discs. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, oh, I love that guy. Of, <laughs> really, his beard must be made of depleted uranium or something like that to cause him <laughs> such pain. Yes. Uh, but he in turn passed them a uh, flyer for a committee that will determine the budgets each film, or sorry, each uh, club will get, mm-hmm. depending on what their pitches are, so to speak. Uh, so, obviously, you know, Kanamori's got yen signs in her eyes, like, seeing that. It's like, we're going to go and smash it. We're going to knock it out of the park, get all the money from them. It'll be great. Uh, so, over lunch the following day, which, by the way, I noticed this on Twitter, and I need to note it here, Kanamori's, like, school ID that she uses to, like, pay for her food, her photograph on that has her wearing her hat. Which is just amazing. Like, she didn't take the hat off for the actual fi- picture, which is just incredible. And I like to believe that she would never do that in her future life, ever. Driving license, it's got it on there. Passport, it's got it on there. I know the rule. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you can on I'm getting too excited about talking about this thing. So, yeah, I apologize for getting the names mixed up. But, uh, I know who you know, by the way, Kanamori, by the way, her own ID has her with her glasses over her head as well. Does she so, ever wear them? <laughs> I don't think she needs to, although I will say this, Kanamori would be improved in one way only, which is if she had aviators instead. Hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of into the one she has, I have to admit. Oh, wait a minute. No, fuck me. I was thinking of um for some reason when you said aviators, I was thinking about um aviation goggles, like steampunk, <laughs> you know. But no, aviator glass. Yes, okay. I approve. Yes. Uh, so over lunch, they're discussing what they need to do. Now, in the previous scene, that I, something I neglected to mention is that Kanamori had discussed like how long the anime was going to need to be, and in turn, like how long it would take them to complete it before the deadline uh, for this uh, committee, which will decide the club's budget. So they have a discussion about length, and Asakusa says something incredible, which, uh, I mean, I've reviewed a fair few shitty anime in my time, folks. Let me tell you that. No, me. really? And she you and did? she and she makes the amazing, magical Hitoto unlike spoken suggestion that blew my mind maybe we should start the script and I'm like <laughs> does she say the script do, do I or honestly like, like uh, yeah I can't remember the specific line does she does she well, say the script here or just she 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 says scripts yes okay okay cool good yes, yes. Uh, so she's discussing that, and then they make a plan to go to her place to go and collect some uh, concept art that she had previously come up with to help develop the like you know the scene that they're going to do as this proof of concept. Uh, this I have leads ideas to them taking this... in my house. <laughs> I have all my ideas stashed in my house, yeah. just not down here, unfortunately. Um, so they then get on the subway uh, or the metro, or whatever you call it, to get to hers, and you can get some nice banter between uh, her and Mizuzaki, whereas you know, like aha. Like I've got the bu- I've got the end seats on the way home. No rematch, scrub. <laughs> and that, and that's why I reckon like apart from like potentially being an amazing engineer, which is something I'll discuss later, I also think Askus would be a great fighting game player. She knows when to pop off. She knows when to say you know <laughs> stay free. I don't know. If she'd be like good at the decision making part, but yeah, she'd be she'd be fun to have on stream. <laughs> put it that way <laughs> she's she's very she's very detail oriented mm-hmm. uh, one thing i need to know about this train ride back home though uh, is that there are a number of adverts of mizusaki uh, advertising products you got a watch for example uh what bottle of water all very recent kujikawa you've kind of seen this kind of thing before mm-hmm. uh 
But again, I want you to put in that for later because that's important. There's a reason that's in there simply than just to remind her, well, this there to remind her, you know, or us rather, that, hey, you know, she's like quite famous. Uh, so there's a, but there's a reason that's being born there. And this is also where we get to meet two of her fans, one of whom is a fan of a band that I personally am quite fond of, Slipper. As in, not Slipknot, obviously, but with the uh, Lessons Rude. What's, which is what's that? Weird. I didn't notice that detail. That's funny. Yeah, like, she has a cap on that says uh, SLPKNT, and I'm like, Definitely know what that is, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, uh-huh. I, 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 I see you there. Are you, I mean, are you a they, fan of the, the Slipknot? I, I, I've been known to. Okay. I think they're pretty good. That's cool. Oh, cool. I, um... I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I'm personally fond of their song, you know, Wit and Bled. <laughs> that's the only one I know. I was going to say, this, is, this one... Uh... Is the only one that I've, I had my shitty new metal phase, you know, when I was uh, in, uh, living through the early aughts, late nineties, uh, and that one I knew, but I didn't really follow that. They weren't one of the bands that I was super duper into, but that's cool. They are pretty good. I, I still like them quite a bit, to be quite honest. Um, I haven't listened to much of their modern material as you might expect from someone who's like as old as I am. Insert, you know, <laughs> Shaden's like you know two thousand five hundred years old. Kind of joke here. You can, they're all good. Whatever age you pick, it's all good. Just make sure it's a triple digit number at the moment. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that's again a, like a reminder, like, you know, hey, this is important that, you know, she's from a rich family and is like famous for like being out there in the world on advertisements and, you know, mm-hmm. such. So they make it back to Ascusa and they start going through her notes, which lead to her showing again another amazing bit of concept art for a tank. And this tank, like, I mean, SNK, my boys. Metal Slug creators. This is really good. Yeah, like you need you need to like take note. Yeah, you've got you've got a new design there for a Metal <laughs> Slug tank. I'm just saying, it's great. great. And I, I can't stress enough. Like, I mean, me and Doc, like, we're not Sakaga people, really, to be quite honest. Uh, so we're kind of you know like not necessarily the best people to talk about the show, maybe. But even I could appreciate just how wonderful all of the animation was that came through all this, like the actual physicality of the tank, like blowing itself backwards and then coming back up again. And then the mushroom cloud that comes out. Like there's not many frames of animation in this, but it doesn't need to be. It's still really, really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. She said it Um, was um, based on the the rice ball, which was a great inspiration. (laughs) Why, why not? (laughs) Like this, this, but yeah, the, um, while they're going through this, of course, they're going through all of Askus's concert, literally going through it. They're passing through it one by one. And they're, you know, on target to try and make something relatively simplistic so mm-hmm. they can meet the deadline, which is results in them, like, picking out this, like, you know, deserted, like, uh, how to put it, like, desert environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Canyon, sort of, if you want to call it that, that kind of place. Um, but we then get to learn uh, from Mizaki, and this is something that I think is really, really important about her as a person. We learn about what kind of animation she wants to do, as opposed to Ascusa, uh, which is Ascusa's all. T- I mean, you've seen the episodes. Technology. Here's a tank. Here's a plane. Here's a belt that turns into a helicopter mm-hmm. that makes me fly. Here's a Jetsons car. You know, here's me repairing the outside of a spaceship. None of the stuff that she has focused on thus far has actually been about characters. It's only been stuff that she's projected herself into. Keep that in mind. Whereas Mizaki's like, well. While you were, you know, studying economics, kind of Mori, I studied the blade. (laughs) Yeah. Because she did, Mm -hmm. literally. She's talking about, like, how she wants to animate, like, realistic movement 
and motion and like detailed characters which leads into by the Dude. way what i think is a takeshi Miike tribute possibly i could be wrong on that certainly looks something like that though of this like samurai or ronin or whatever practicing swordplay and this like this grayscale scene i oh fucking hell i love it i absolutely love that little moment there but again this is also side by side with um her like holding the sword up herself in frame so you've got like her on this side and the guy she's imagining on that one divided by a line down the middle. Uh, that is really, really important, by the way, for what I'm going to talk about later. So if you want to like screenshot that and like print it out and stick it up on in front of your monitor, uh, please do that. Can I say? Oh, um, go on. I, I tag yourself right in in chat if this was you. But I remember um, either week one or week two when we were doing this. Someone said. Uh, Asakusa it wants to do a Ghibli-like film, and Mizuzaki wants to do a Kyoto animation film, and it's like mm. that was just uh, it was true then, but even after this episode, it's like underscored even more, like the way she's talking about, like you know, uh, mm. I want to do not just anime like sort of tropey concepts or like what you might think of as anime. I want to make animation. And the best kind of animation, thank you, Grizzly, You're, you nailed it. Um, mm-hmm. The best kind of animation is like anime um, stopping to kind of highlight the extraordinary qualities of mundane motions or objects. And like an yeah. animator is like a character director or an object director. All that stuff was like so like what I think of when I think of KyoAni and what they do well. Apart from making everything shiny. She didn't say that, so maybe she's not a full KyoAni yeah. devotee. Where, <laughs> where a single moment is like compressed in time, having it play out mm-hmm. in slow motion, for example. I mean, <laughs> say what you will about UFO Table, for example, and the fact that they seem to be better at evading taxes and actually doing anime these days. No, I'm not going to let that joke fly. Yes, I'm going to keep doing that dead horse. Sorry. Uh, but, like, I remember watching uh Fates Stay Night Heavens Feel. I must say Grand Order then, but that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, late last year, and fight scenes in that one amazing as always. Like when you get like explosions going off, and they just they don't like go off immediately. It's like little compressed opening gives it again, like as Asakusa would say, like a real sense of impact. Like, and that's something that she like. Uh, I can see Musaki being into as well as well as fluid character motion. Um, that demon slayer but, shit. Yes, uh, <laughs> hopefully with a more compelling story. But well, that's oh. That's, by the way, a... you mispronounced the name. It's actually. Of course, I did. It's actually Heaven's Feel. Yes, that's how you have to yes, say it. Yes, it is. <laughs> why, why did you have to say that? Like you were advertising some sort Heaven's of like, towel. Feel. I'm sure that's like a brand of knockoff toilet paper. <laughs> Oh, you should see some of the shit they try to peddle here for toilet paper. But anyway, that's a discussion for a different time. So this is where we kind of get a little bit of a conflict. Not a major one, mind you, but mm-hmm. we can see like a divergence now in what the two characters want to do. I mean, admittedly, we did, as I say, have the comment that someone made in our first episode coverage that, you know, they wanted to, like, Mizaki wanted Kyoani, whereas Asuka's wants Ghibli. Uh, both, without their merit- both with their merits, mind you, I should stress. But what I like about this is that, again, it's all down to Kanemori, you know, acting as project head, bringing them together, and they start, like, synthesizing this scenario of a girl fighting the tank that Asakusa came up mm-hmm. with before in this canyon, 
with a machete and a gas mask. And they start building on the details. Like, we get to which see is the like best of both of them. <laughs> the most anime thing ever, by the way. Which is ironic, yeah. right? I feel like a, a schoolgirl versus a tank is, like, super duper, like, you know, here's, like, a clip from the Daikon animation. Or, you know what I mean? Like, very, here's, like, this 80s OAV. Like, people are saying it's very trigger. It is trigger, but, like, it's also, like, I don't know, um, pick, like, a random, like mecha focused oav that you can only find on on pirate sites or like a bikini babe with sword um god i'm terrible with names i watched one uh that so reminded me of this scene i it started with i feel like an l i can't remember the name of it but did did you forget because of plausible deniability no no it was actually quite fine (laughs) in terms of that stuff but like it was just like you know the lady could have been wearing whatever but she just happened to be wearing like a you know uh, bikini armor but she had a cool sword and was doing cool shit against airships I'm like this anime was like rife with that sort of thing at oh, do one I point remember, in time oh, do, I, do I need to mention uh, what was his name da- was it Daisuke from uh, you know Lupin no that's Jigen what was the other one oh, I can't remember his name Linkaji if he listens to this he's gonna kill who me. are you which character are you talking about the samurai Goemon the Goemon yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean you can, swords are always welcome you like so this, like, they go through the scene here and they go through detail on things like how they have rapid cuts between the tank itself and the girl as she comes in closer and closer to help build the impacts of the, like, you know, the impending sword strike. Uh, also, how Kanamori, like, even though she herself isn't an animator as far as we've seen thus far, uh, she mentions, like, hey, what if we clone the explosions? And I'll just say, right, again, as a Corner small cutting. point here. <laughs> like, I... Like, animation is hard work. I understand. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there are times when corner cutting is certainly a good thing to do. I wouldn't, for example, like, you know, say that they should be doing individual explosions every single time for something as detailed as they want to do. Because it's not practical. Like, I, if there's one thing I'm really liking about Ace again, and I know I'm getting ahead of talking points here, is that it's so far managing, like, you know, to be inspiring to people who do want to pursue creative interest, but also stressing an element of pragmatism and restraint in order that you might actually be able to pull it off. It's, this, for example, I say, you know, uh, sorry, was that Scusa? I could have sworn it was Kanamori. My apologies. Um, but, like, say, for example, if this show instead was about writing a book, it wouldn't tell you, you know, even in all its enthusiasm, to write, like, you know, how, like, a Robert Jordan Wheel of Time length series. If you don't know what the Wheel of Time is, uh, that is a ridiculously so long, long series of books. It's ridiculous. It killed Robert like, Jordan. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, ev- or even do something like Game of Thrones. It would tell you to start with a short story. But it would still have the enthusiasm to like, get across how powerful that can be and how interesting that can be. And that's what uh, Azekin is doing here. It's not telling these characters, you know... You know what? I do want to play Scaramori. More Scaramori all the time. Cloner, cloner make up all of them. Yukinon's right. But like, what Aizuken is telling us here is that, you know, you're starting out, you're enthusiastic, and your enthusiasm is valid, and it's important, and it, you know, it's necessary to get things done, as well as also making it unique and interesting to look at. But you have to temper it a little bit, else you won't be able to get anything done at all, or you'll burn out. Um... Indeed, I think uh, Kanamori mentions that at the start, like, you know, this will be the end of our little group here if we don't do that. Uh, but anyway, so the fight, like, you know, between the tank and the girl plays out until just before the end, and then we go to a cliffhanger. And that's the end of the that's episode. It. That's it. And what a fine episode it was, as always. Um, right. 
so we've covered the episode topics, and I've also completely misnamed half the characters. <laughs> I mean, if people want, if people want to like you know make a sin bin for me for this, I'd be, I'd be more than happy for you to do so. I'm terrible with names in general. I do apologize. Moth eats and alcohol eats and brain notwithstanding. So we're going to go firstly to our patron questions. Oh, we actually have yeah. three of them. Before, so just before we do that, I want to have, have a quick word. Um, we started to do this uh, to break up the segments and I want to keep doing it. Uh, so we don't have to put it all in at the end, I guess. Um, just wanted to do a quick uh, plug for our Patreon. Um, patreon.com slash w-a-r-u-i-d-e-s-h-o-u there's plenty of really good rewards that you can go get if you sign up Um, if and we have three budget friendly tiers it's not a lot of money Um, you know you can help support us and you can get access to our discord you can ask the patron questions that we're about to answer here in the next segment Um, guaranteed get your question answered on these streams either these ones or the ones that cover our anime uh, streaming podcast that we do exclusively really for patrons, or at least it's early access to patrons, um, second stream. We're covering Jula Richard right now, and if you want to get those podcasts uh, when they come out and also ask questions and have them answered on air about that show and future shows, um, become a patron. Like I said, you can get on our Discord, you can get exclusive solo content from us, um, all kinds of other fun stuff that we're doing. We do an after-hour show. We're going to be doing that today where we just talk about, like, whatever game... <clears throat> Excuse me. Whoa. Whoa. That was uh, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, dog, that, that, was, uh, that was emotion right uh, We talk about whatever anime or game or media that we're into, uh, or even just some more abstract stuff. Um, that is not what we're covering, so check us out there. Uh, also... Um, this goes for anybody, patron or non. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, this is a new thing. Um, you don't need uh, to call a telephone number or anything. Um, you just need to have a microphone, either on your phone or your PC. Mm-hmm. You just go to anchor.fm slash show, and there's a button, message. And you click that message, and there's a record button. Get yourself on the podcast um, we, unless you don't want to post it, uh, mm-hmm. unless you don't want it to be public and you can say in the message that we won't post it. That's a way for you to get in contact with us and also have yourself heard on, you know, the podcast. And if you have like comments, those will be heard. If you have questions, we'll answer them on pod, all that good stuff. So we will, we will not be delivering any pizza. This we time. will not. <laughs> it's true. You can try I mean, all I mean, you like. I mean, if you... If if you want to like you know put a pizza order in, I'll take it as a suggestion for what to get for myself. But if you think I'm sending a Domino's halfway across the world to yourselves, there just out of the goodness of my own heart, well, you know, maybe uh, we could you can maybe <laughs> we could make that happen. You know. Oh my god! But this is just uh, we we switched uh, hosts recently, so this is a feature that our host has. So we thought we would tell you about it in hopes that uh, we get some use out of it, and you guys could see some benefit from it. So anchor.fm slash show if you'd like to leave us a voicemail. And now we can get into the discussion. That we can. Okay, so uh, patron questions. We have three of them from uh, this week. Uh, the first of which comes from Navy Cherub, and it goes something like this. This is abstract, but does anyone else get isekai vibes from the way these girls are essentially trying to reverse engineer the process of making anime from old technology? 
Reminds me of stuff like Doctor Stone. All right. Hmm. Um, Do you have an answer to this? I think for I, me, I read it, but I just have been thinking about it for a while. And but go, go ahead, go ahead. I think um, for me, like, it's, I'm not sure about the East Island, but what I can say at least of what I feel about uh, Azekin's approach, to, like creating anime, especially in this kind of like you know very grassroots, very like early like startup way, is that like. I don't know, for example, how well I could speak on behalf of, say, for example, an actual artist, but I myself, like, wrote short fiction, long fiction previously, a while back. And I never had any formal training in any of that. It's just something I kind of picked up. Uh, why am I bringing this up? Because I think what Ace Kid is advocating is something similar to what I did, which is I basically self-taught my, like, how to write. Um, like, sometimes the best way to learn is to simply go in without any formal training, so to speak, and just kind of discover things on your own. Like, here's the tool. How do you use it? Not saying, of course, they're going completely blind, because clearly they have some foreknowledge, but rather, I think the intent, as I understand it, is it's a good thing for you to just give things a try on their own without necessarily, you know, like, worrying about going through all the necessary training beforehand. Mm. Like, I mean, I mean, I think maybe you can, you could answer this, like, if you're in chat, like, how did you learn to draw, for example? Did you teach yourself? A lot of, like, artists on Twitter who make their living these days, for example... I'd imagine they obviously did have, you know, formal training at school, for example. But I don't think a lot of them are necessarily graphic designers. Like, some of them would self, you know, be self-taught. There's a, for example, uh, I know that people are going to laugh at me for bringing this up, but because that, but I have to. Uh, there's an artist on uh, in fine game circles named Chase uh, who does a lot of drawings of undernight in birth characters. Uh, completely self-taught, as I understand it, also because he's colorblind, as it happens. Not in a, like, grayscale kind of way, but more, I think it's Deuteronia. I must have mispronounced that, but basically you can only see blues uh, mm. or shades of blue and also shades of like uh, peach or olive. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that might be to answer your question in a sideways way there, uh, maybe uh, what the show is trying to uh, get across by having them reverse engineer the process from the old equipment. And I think also just to bring back my previous point, I think the reason um, the, uh, I think the reason that it's old equipment as well is because again, it reinfor- reinforces the idea that I saw uh, or rather I put across previously, that a lot of startups, like even if it's just you going personally, like, you probably inherited at least something or another or got some kind of like, you know, uh, cash, you know, cash pot to help you from like, say your parents, like, you know, first tablet that you bought when you were trying to draw something like that, or you just inherited it. Um, so I think that's a part of it also as well. All right. Here's a weird theory. <laughs> oh boy. If you... If you end up saying that, you know, the final episode of Azekin is them entering, like, real the real world, like, you know, <laughs> they just become real people, and it turns into live action, I'm... I I, I, I don't want you to say that, because there's not, a, like, a 0% chance of that happening. God damn it! Alright. What if... What if Navy oh, Cherub... Oh, boy. What if Shadon... No. The no. anime... No itself not keep your hands off azuken but the anime oh, that, the, that the girls are going to create oh my god is the main character of the isekai oh i thought you were gonna say something different then oh shit i was building myself up. what did you think what i was gonna say uh, i thought you were gonna say that the anime that they're making is actually what we're seeing right now and it's kind of like a biograph well i mean pro- there's always they could they could go that route i, I feel that would be kind of a not a cop out, but like 
I feel that would be very conventional. Like I've seen that movie before. Yeah, but, I know. But the, that's the only thing I could think of when the uh, isekai thing was brought up. That the anime itself has been transported to this world where it's made so differently and weirdly. And like, how is it going to get through this process? Um, but, but yeah, I um, as far as this question goes like Dr. Stone. I think Dr. Stone, that's an interesting and and fair comparison because Dr. Stone is very much like instead of systematically and formally, um, at least, and I I admit I haven't like seen and read a whole bunch of Stone. I've read um, some chapters, but Mm -hmm. what it seems like to me um, is, uh, yeah, a more scattershot approach, like pointing out different kind of things that are, necessary for society um and then highlighting them and talking about the science behind them and then kind of rediscovering them um and again it's less um linear and uh that has been how it's felt in some ways about azokin up to this point um you know they haven't been like all right how do we make an anime let's start from step one the this um Kanemori has kind of tried to like shove the other two into that really formal structure, but they've been pushing back against it really hard. And I think that Kanemori, by the way, says in this episode, maybe it's not the best time for me to like, you know, crush their enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. Again, showing mm-hmm. that showing that wisdom beyond her years. Very wise, very wise. And I think what I'm taking from the show anyway is that there's a lot of different ways to um i don't want to say skin the cat because i don't really enjoy that expression but um you know there there <laughs> there's more than one way to approach <laughs> something like um there's a lot of different valid and appropriate ways to do a creative project and rather than fit okay so this is a, a sports thing that drives me ben- sports, sports, sports sports it's sports. real sport Coming at you now from the Sport Factory in Sportania. So sports, sports screwed up our Vinland Saga schedule. Uh-huh. Now you're willingly evoking sports. I am. Or invoking sports in this discussion. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's just going to keep destroying things, man. Why, why would you well, do look, this? That was a specific sport. That was, was that the rugby? Was that the rugby? Uh, um. Anyway, but this is the at the sort of conceptual level of sport. Um. And I think you'll appreciate this because this is one of those things that uh, is relevant to a lot of different workforces. And a thing I love about sports, Shadon, is like that it basically is like the supervisor sort of um, upper board level and then the workforce, that relationship made totally public and is really transparent for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. And many times what happens in sport is there is a system in place of how things are done and personnel are acquired based on uh, all kinds of different talent and everything like that, but oftentimes without regard to how they will fit in the system and then they are forced to fit in the system. The system will not um, change uh, or, or mold around them. It's very much like, all right, team of players, you will be doing this. And I don't care if it maximizes your efficiency or your output or your creativity or your uh, happiness. We will be doing this, right? 
And um, I think the the best coaches and organizations in sport actually acquire their personnel in terms of how they will fit together as a group. And then they say, what does our staff look like? And how can we make a system around them that maximizes their abilities? And I feel like this is kind of, in a way, uh, what I'm taking from Azokin is that, like you said, Kanemori understands structure. She's very level-headed and practical-minded and knows, like, okay, we have to get things done. There are deadlines. But she sees that the enthusiasm of her crew is really important and does not mm-hmm. want to destroy it by making them like do uh participate in a process that would kill it yeah i mean just to extrapolate from what you said there about sports like you know that's your like manager player relationship there what's the more formal and more rigid like expansion of that what's the next level that's where you start it starts more like a military mm-hmm. and that's the point where of course obviously things stop being fun so i can understand like you know kanamori like you know having to do this really fine balance here of okay I want to keep them on track because otherwise they're never going to get it done. I mean, we see this in this episode. Butterflies! Butterflies, that's it. That's all it takes. Yeah. It takes one insect and they just lose their minds over it. And it just takes a raccoon and lose their minds over it. It's madness. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like, again, her wisdom here, recognizing, hey, if they don't have any enthusiasm, like, for what they're doing, they're either not going to get it done anyway or what they're going to produce is going to be the blandest crap ever. Yeah. You gotta help them care. help them stay on task, sure, but like, yeah, don't don't force them into a rigid structure that is not going to, like you said, maximize the work or their own happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and and you know, when you're being very cynical about it, all that stuff is going to affect the economics too. It's going to affect the the net gain, the bottom line, right? So you want to care? <laughs> you want to care about that for those reasons if you're Kanemori. Um So, so yeah, I think the show is sort of celebrating um, that when you're doing a creative project, the the structure of the project and the way that you carry it out um, can be done a whole bunch of different ways depending on who you have working on it. And it's important to maximize their skills and their happiness, and not try to force to them bring into them something together else. As well. Yep, mm-hmm, totally Which is important. That's something I'm going to address uh, soon enough. All right, um, thank you, David. Anyway, uh, f- indeed, thank you, David. So, next question. Uh, this one comes from Yukinon. Shout out to Yuki in the chat. Uh, continues to bring up uh, Franks and all that stuff every time, just to try and get a rise out of me. It won't happen. I promise you. Cool as cucumber, <laughs> right? Completely sure. ice cold. Sure. For now, anyway. For now. Uh, so, for Isaac number three, uh, at the end of the episode, a lot of the focus is placed on different types of animation and how animators have preferences in what they'd like to draw. For example, Mizusaki wants to go into character animation, detailed movement, expression, etc., etc. What kind or type of animation do you pay more attention to? So this is more of a personal question for both of us. Mm. Hmm. That's a very good question because I think that I can't really divorce the answer from necessarily the context of the show itself that we're looking at. Um, if it's a very slow-paced, like, you know, uh, mood piece, for example, I won't 
particularly necessarily be paying attention to much of the characters, but again, it might be depending on how lit. Um, I'll pro- in fact, I'll draw on some of my own experience here because I've only yesterday like made my way through or halfway through Made in Abyss, which has been recommended to me. Uh, if you want my too long didn't read review of that, very good. Less of the crude uh, elements, please. <laughs> please, yeah. Completely and utterly unnecessary. For the most part, I'll talk about it. So, here's the thing, right? Made in Abyss, when it's not being about piss, made in piss, basically. Made in you know, piss. <laughs> made, made, made in piss. Uh, when it's not being about that, it is essentially a world-building piece. It's mm-hmm. all about, you know, um, the, the environment of the Abyss itself, the many layers to it, and the way the characters react to it as they go along. The character animation for me in Made in Abyss is fine, but I don't really care about it in that context, even if it were great, because it's not really necessary. I mean, the character's work is certainly a part of it, but a lot of the focus is on the world and them exploring these unknown environments, these things that they have read about, but have never seen firsthand, and by proxy, we haven't either. Mm-hmm. And then that also then turn goes into the element with the monster designs. Like, there are creatures in the Abyss, of course, uh, very dangerous creatures that there's a cor- there's like a corpse weeper. Uh, what is corpse weep mask? It mimics the voice of the person it's eating alive to try and draw more people in to help them. And then, of course, there are the monkeys as well. Oh, I know. I know, Dana. I know, boss. I know that this show is only going to get worse in terms of, like, all the awful shit that happens here. But, well, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in halfway now. You're, yeah. you know, You're in too deep. I'm committed. I'm... I mean, God, I'm going to sound like, you know, quoting like Kevin Bacon here from Tremors <laughs> or some shit. Uh, but anyway, no, the thing about the creatures, though, is that they're animated very differently than the characters, and they don't seem to have any, like, noticeable outline. They're very rough and fuzzy. And I think that works great in the context of Made in the Abyss because... Made, made in the Abyss, sorry, Made in the Abyss, I mean to say. Made in the Abyss. Because they are presented in some way almost as, like, intangible things out of a child's nightmare. It fits the mood that they're going for and, the, and also the characters that they have as their protagonists. So, to answer your question in a kind of roundabout way, it depends on what I'm watching. Uh, if you want an overall answer from me, I am probably more into character stuff, to be honest. Like, I, I can certainly appreciate good will building, but I find that often good will building is a product not necessarily of how it's animated, but more just how it looks. Like, you can sell me on a still background image pretty easily. I mean, Somali and the Forest Spirit being a good example from this season, mm-hmm. where, okay, the backgrounds aren't necessarily animated, but they very clearly have had a lot of love and focus into making them look like unique vistas that seem enchanting and unreal to us. So, yeah, I would probably go with character animation for me, because that's also, I mean, beyond simply just when we see stuff like in Azigan 3, where it's about, like, actually fighting, you know, like with a sword, for example, there are also things, like I mentioned in, when I was covering Beastars on Twitter, like, how characters, like, look away from each other when they don't want to, like, make eye contact, uh, fidgety, nervous behavior, you know, a lot of, like, what informs interactions between characters is not just what they say, but it's also how they act. I mean, look at me right now, hand gestures. No one is physically here in the room with me, of course, at least apart from you in the corner, you can fuck off. <laughs> no, <laughs> mystery man in the mask there. Uh, but nonetheless, like, it's part of our body language, just inherently who we are as human beings, to gesticulate a lot when we talk. Uh, I mean, I think this was something that I spoke about on, uh... What was it? I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, we talked about this before. But yeah, so that's why I think the character animation for me is something I'd probably focus on more, because it's not just keen simply selling big fight scenes, it's keen selling the small dramatic moments and the way in which a lot of things can be told simply through how characters react when they're trying to discuss something uncomfortable or difficult. I guess my answer is, like, 
hugely a cop-out answer and that's like whatever is being emphasized at the moment whatever uh is done particularly well like you know if the show is going to do a bunch of wide shots then i'm i'm going to look at at the the backgrounds and the detail they're in and uh you know i i think uh and if they're going to do a bunch of like you know close-ups and like tight shots then it's harder to focus on the backgrounds i think as i've gotten older i've looked at backgrounds more um you know when i was a uh, uh, younger like um and when i say younger i mean like late teens early 20s like early part of my anime fandom like i really didn't focus on the backgrounds very much at all um and part of that probably has to do with the anime that was coming out at the time um you know a lot of the like you know the digipaint and other primitive cg tools they were using uh made for some pretty ugly backgrounds <laughs> for for <laughs> kind of your average anime but um but these days like it's gotten way better as you said you cited things like somali made in abyss is great uh at backgrounds and objects and um oh uh toilet bound hanako kun um another the, amazing the least, the least appealing sound <laughs> show this season i know but i have it on good authority from well dark at the very it's least it's great and it's actually great it's really uh, really so fun it's... something else we have a look at although i can't obviously bring that up in polite conversation no <laughs> no you could just like, say like hey, what did you want what did you watch at the weekend shots like you know i mean i caught like some random live action tv show i was watching something on the cw what about you oh silent bound down a coconut yeah I would just go, yeah, and I, I tweeted about that. I think I would probably just say Hanako-kun, and if someone asked me about it, I'd be like, well, it's about a ghost who lives in the bathroom. <laughs> but then you'd say that that's, that's not a good way to go either. But anyway, back to the question. Um, I think when I started watching older anime, um, I think that's when I really actually started to pay attention more to detail in the backgrounds, like... And you kind of can't help it when you watch Macross Do You Remember Love. Because, um, mm. like, I mean, just that opening animation where all the different rooms are lighting up on the Macross. It's mm. amazing. And, like, God, just, that, just everything about that show, all the me- mechanical movement, it's just gorgeous. Unbelievable. And then, like, you have stuff... Uh, uh, there's a, an OAV called Area 88 about uh, fighter planes uh, and fighter pilots, very Top Gun-ish. But um, the beginning of that, there's a torch, Shadon, and they show the torch like a flame for a couple minutes as some credits go by, and it never loops. The flame wow. animation never loops. It's just this t- two multiple minutes of different... Like I mean, that's something animation. that if you want, like, you want to go back to the idea of efficiency, that would be a prime candidate for doing so. You know, you make a certain animation loop that have a certain length, and then just use it because it's not like you know you're watching a character like doing a motion over and over while talking that makes it look really robotic. It's just, just fire. But hey, kudos them for doing that. All right, uh, so I hope that answers your question. You can. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for chucking that our way. And lastly, but not leastly, uh, this comes from Go Go Atomic Robot. What anime slash action sequence would you like to see the girls act out when they enter the greatest world? Uh, I'm going to go ahead, right ahead with this one. <laughs> I I want to see Askuza's version of the uh, Macross fireworks. 
Mm. You know that would be some mm. soft light shit. That would be incredible. Yeah, that would be really fucking cool. Um, I definitely want to see. Oh, oh no! I have the gunbuster, like, like the sh- yes. ship rising from uh, like out of space cloud or something with giant robot. Me, me Zaki's just on top. Exactly, like that. That and then the great. one of the yeah. pilots standing on top that of the robot arms crossed. The very Gurren Lagan, very everything Gainax has ever done with the robots, and even like I'd want the like the music, like dun 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 like the whole spiel. Uh, I would can love get, to see can that. We get, um, can we get Kanamori arriving at the film club and doing the Akira, like, you know, bike <laughs> pullover? And Doc has disappeared. Oh, yeah. sweet lord. The only thing good about the first episode of Punchline was the reference to that Akira bike moment. <laughs> yeah, I would I would be up for that. Like, I, the thing is, right, in fact, I'll, I'll broaden this question out to those in the chat. Like, if everyone here wants to throw in their thoughts on what they'd like to see, you know, a reference to. I, I mean, my God. Like, sort of the Stranger's a good one, Andy. We, 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 we've got, sure, we've got some great ones. That movie here. has I the mean, best fight scene I've ever seen in an anime. Uh, and it's... Is it ten years old at this point? Probably not quite. It's probably like seven, eight years old, but still. The climactic fight scene between the, uh, the, sword, the Stranger... And the blonde antagonist is like my favorite anime fight scene. Well, obviously, you know, we could also go with, you know, if they wanted to get a repeat of the 30,000 uh, yen by having, you know, um, Ascusa fall from a distance, then we need to have a repeat of, you know, uh, Greenbird from Cowboy Bebop. Oh my god, that would be, that would be epic. But it needs to then, they need to then license the song, right? Here's I, here's I see this. Here's I see this, right? The, you have them, like, License the song, and it's just playing. And Askew's is falling. It's just like drawn, like you know, uh, Cowboy Bebop style for a little bit, and then as soon as she hits the ground, just hard cut back to the regular style, and the music just completely stops. And with the crashing like of like fractured metal or whatever, I reckon that'd be great. Uh, Yukinon's made a great one. Let's have let's have like Askew's like relay the greatness of animation by doing uh, Marco from Killer Kills Hallelujah moment. What if that would be great? What if Kanamori gets to do the Bright Noah slap on Amuro, played by uh, Mizuzaki, and then Mizuzaki's <laughs> like, "My father didn't even hit me." <laughs> it would be oh, incredible. Man. Stay on task, goddammit. <laughs> that would rule. I I I don't know if we'll. I mean, we are three episodes in now. I don't know if we'll get any more like references necessarily to specific anime. Or films like we did with Future Boy Conan in the first one. I would still like that. I think that would be neat. But I also appreciate that this show does need to have its own identity. And in turn, the characters need to have their own identity in terms mm-hmm. of the worlds they create and the things that they envision. Which is also key for something I'll be talking about in a little while. But yeah, like if we can get some of those iconic like classic anime scenes like the bike slide, for example. I think that would be great. All right, uh, I think that brings us to the end of that question. So thank you very much, Gogo Tyra. Thank you to everyone who drops in Patreon questions. Before we Always good to have it. Yeah, completely. On. Before we continue with our talking points, um, let's, I think, can, can we pause for just a moment to take a quick break? Um, take a break on our end, reset the call, all that kind of stuff. So we'll be back. We'll be right back. A bit. 
And there we are. Okay, so we're. I'm still got us on break. I have to take a bio break for two secs, but uh, but I thought it would be a good idea to also reset the call. Makes sense to me. Do it, man. I've already noted it down in the actual text. Making a note for when we when I edit the pop. I've put it in the text for you. Thank you. Are right, you ready to switch back? Yes, let's go. All right. Easy breeze, everyone. We're back. Uh, Doc has just, you know, uh, finished doing his own secret anime pre-production notes here. We're going to make an anime on how to make a podcast. Oh boy, that's gonna, that's gonna be <laughs> oh, for that, that'll, that'll be that'll be a thing. This is called noise reduction. First, we have to learn how to make a podcast. I think. <laughs> I, well, that's true. Yeah, we've been going out for four years now. We still have no. Out. But, any, but anyway, uh, so yes, thank you to all our patrons there for chucking in questions. If you yourself would like to get involved in asking us questions about the shows we cover week on week, which is currently Aizuken and Jula Richard, uh, do feel free to check our Patreon. Get yourself on the free dollar tier or higher get you access to Patreon, uh, sorry, to Discord, mm-hmm. where you can ask us these questions, get access to, you know, our pods early week on week, as well as other great features. Check them out. Right. So, talking points. I've got a big one I want to lead into here, and I'm going to elaborate on stuff that I've kind of hinted at before, which is, I firstly don't think that Aza can, as I previously had stated, is go- or I've wondered, is going to turn out to be a deeply serious drama in the end. I think it's too lighthearted for that. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it isn't like you know doing some real subtle character building mm-hmm. through the actual use of its animation and the fantasy worlds that these free create, which I really really appreciate. Like that's its unique thing, and it's actually using that not just to simply wow us with visuals and the joy of the creative process, but it's actually educating us about the characters too. Mm-hmm. So just to give you again a little bit of a pace setter here, like you know to get everything in mind. I did mention before that Mizuzaki, like, you know, we see the reminders of her, like, you know, on the advertisements that she is quite famous. And that in turn then brings us back to what we learned in the first episode about how her parents wanted her to become an actress, whereas she, well, she didn't want to pretend to be someone she's not by pretending to be someone she's not. Just saying. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So Mm -hmm. 
what I really liked about this is if you think about it, like why do why does As or why do Asakusa and uh, Mizuzaki have the differences in what they want to animate? Why do they have different like you know like specialities mm-hmm. so to speak? Now on some level you could argue well that's necessary because if we had two characters who were solely into backgrounds then the show wouldn't be anywhere right. near as interesting. And there's a certain grain of truth to that absolutely. But think about it right. Why are they? Why does Mizuzaki like end up creating a character who stands alone fighting against this faceless enemy? You know, because it's actually a little bit of her in it. Would you believe mm-hmm. she's, after all, you know, like standing up against the authority that is her parents and, in turn, the goons that they hire. You know, trying to dictate her life for her, mm. and so she's fighting against this tank that Asakusa has created, and I think that's a really, really neat insight into her mindset. Um, that you know, this is why she wants to animate that sort of not just for the sake of like necessarily getting all the realism and the technicalities in like that we've seen before, but also as I think it reflects a little bit of her life experience. I mean, in writing, like you know, you're always told write from what you know. Now, granted, of course, you know, that doesn't mean you can't write sci-fi, for example, or fantasy. But I do think you know, like that a lot of our experiences do bleed through into works that we create, even if we're not necessarily aware of them. Um, on a conscious level. I mean, I don't think, for example, when she drew the girl with the uh, machete, that it was deliberately meant to be her. But I do think it symbolizes her in some way, which I think is a really, really neat way of developing her character and what she wants to prove by doing this in the first place. But then, on top of that, let's also talk about Ascusa as well. Um, I mean, actually, before we get that, the reason I brought the adverts, that's what we see Mizuzaki as presented by the world itself, you know, like the real world. But that's complete fiction of itself, of course. Mm-hmm. Whereas the person that she really wants to be is the girl with the machete. Mm-hmm. Which I think mm-hmm. is super neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, with Ascusa though, like, why is Ascusa interested in technology rather than, you know, characters? And I think that what I really like about her is, again, this is a reflection on her history. Because she has mentioned a couple of times, and this has been reinforced through discussions of money and such, that she is from a working class family. She's not wealthy. If you don't, like, for example, ever get on a plane in your lifetime because you are that poor that you've never had the chance to, like, travel, like, you know, elsewhere, then I can imagine for someone like her with a vivid imagination that she would think a lot about flying machines and such and technology and big concepts like this. Like, look at how cool this thing is. It's got all these features. Like, whereas, like, for example, with Mizuzaki, who's probably grown up with all the luxury, you know, all the life's luxuries, you know, all the mod cons, all the kit, like, you know, Ta- you know probably had a ta- like tablets computers i mean heck there's a reminder in this episode of how her allowance was like what she got in third grade that was the same as the thirty thousand yen that scusa got for like you know violently injuring herself so i can see how that's influenced her that you know someone who has grown up without much of her own like you know like without like you know all the mod cons uh so speak of like a wealthy uh, upbringing that in turn her imagination would lead her to dream of like traveling to other places that otherwise she's never been to in reality Funnily enough, that then gels with the actual introduction we get for traveling to a new place and being so enamored of it. When you don't really ever get to leave the place you're in uh, for any length of time or see strange new locales, is it unreasonable to see that she would act in such a way when thinking of these worlds as to always like create brand new ones mm-hmm. where she's exploring? Yeah. This is one of Aizuken's great... Like, I mean, I'm a big like character writing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I don't think this is going to be a deep drama. It shouldn't be. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But that doesn't mean there aren't things that you can like read into and pick out from the way it's like involving these characters and what they want to get out of the animation and what they want to create and how it is informed from their worldviews and their past experiences. That is 
fucking genius, in my opinion. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, this is Yuasa we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah. kind of thing is going to definitely be considered, I think. The yeah. connections between, like you said, personality, experience, and their what they like doing in 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 animation uh is yeah is is considered here and is uh thought out and it's nice to see that sort of detail um thought about yeah. and you know and and me uh Mizu's parents wanting her to become an actor uh right in her mind she's going to be an actor you know what I mean? Like, she's going to be doing yeah. that. Like, she thinks that animation is acting. Um, it's just the animator is getting to uh, act out all these various parts on paper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because they can control the movement, the uh, the framing sometimes, um, that it is the same as acting, but not just for bodies, but for objects and for fantastical things and all sorts of, of of items. And so, like you said, uh, write what you know, you know, that kind of thing. That's here, too, in this for her. And I love the point about... Uh, I, I love the point that you made about, like, um, you know, Mizu and what her family wants her to be is shown on an image. Um, it's just total fiction. Like you said, it is a, a sort of vertical slice of her personality. Uh, it is a put on from her even then. Um, yeah. But it's like in an image. It's an abstract image. Who she really wants to be is something to do with abstract images as well. Um, it's just a very different kind. And it's something that you'd think of intuitively as more fantastical. But the girl with the machete represents way more of what she lone what she's like standing sta- yeah lone wanderer standing against the world mm-hmm. you know versus someone who has it all together and is like totally glamorous all the time and a ball of charisma yeah yeah someone who has self-direction does what they want to mm-hmm. do well, mean, the... if, in fact if you know when when they're drawing the concepts of the girl for the first time i actually thought that looks a little mm-hmm. bit like her totally i thought so too I mean, she is the character designer after all. <laughs> yep, yep. It all it all fits together, mm-hmm. and I think that again, I think that's really neat. I mean, we've had like you know instances before, like we were talking about Vinland Saga and how Makoto Yukimura himself, like you know, is a father, was talking about fatherhood, and his experiences bled into the actual like material as such. Mm-hmm. So it's not unusual. I mean, we've covered this recently, but I love how even for a light-hearted show like this, it still gets those little moments in that remind you of the characters and helps build on them using its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. It isn't something they simply told to us. It's shown to us in Aizuken's own, like, you know, wonderful way. And I think that's great. More of that, please. More of that, uh, please. I actually have one... I have another thing that I'll tell you about in a minute, which relates to Kanamori and what we also learn about her in this episode. Okay. Um, Over to you firstly, Doc. Okay. Um, on the, this episode as a whole, I'm slightly... Uh, of two minds on it. Um, which isn't to say that it's a like versus dislike. Overall, I, I really like what this is. Um, and certainly the show as a whole. But 
I was thinking a couple different thoughts about uh, about episode three. And one is that the first half of the episode felt a little bit like uh, running back episode two. Mm. If you know, I mean, sh- the scenarios are different. We get like the space thing. Uh, and it's different in the detail and execution of those details, but the bullet points and outline feel the same. You know what I mean? It feels like, you know, you. I was starting to think by the midpoint of the episode, is this the thing that Azokin has? Is this the big idea that it's going to do is um, have the girls kind of try to struggle and, and make a thing or accomplish a task, an incremental task when it comes to making anime. And in the midst of that struggle, two of the three of them will pull the whole entire group into the imaginary world, the greatest world, and we'll get to see some cool stuff there. Like, is that the thing that's going to happen? Now, the second part of the episode with this whole uh, deadline to do a pr- to have a completed project to present to the school board or the budget committee or whatever that is definitely a new wrinkle and that adds um, a different uh, that puts a different spin on it there's more there's more at stake um, there's a sense of urgency and I think that that is a, a nice um, addition of some new elements to the formula mm-hmm. here um, having said all that, I think what I'm about to say may sound like it runs counter to that, and I'm trying to reconcile these two opinions here, Shadon. Right, I'm gonna. I've got hold my desk. Uh, I wish I had a seat. In fact, you know, I'm just gonna pretend this is Azgen now. It's like right, seat belts on. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So, launch the mis- launch the missiles. Right. So I just said that for part of the episode, I was like, um, "Oh, is this it?" Uh, and then, oh, there's some new stuff. Well. Here's the thing. You've talked about before, and I agreed at the time, needing... And then you, re- and then you realize I was damn wrong. <laughs> <laughs> needing... He's chatted shit all this oh time. God. I knew it. What was I thinking? Why did I agree to that? Um, that the show maybe kind of uh, was leading up to or needed some conflict? I'd argue there already has been a tiny bit of it. A very small mm-hmm. amount. Well, because there is initial there is initial friction between Mizuzaki and Asuka's like about what they want to do. But then, of course, Kanemori, you know, peacemaker extraordinaire, uh, comes in and says, "Why not both?" Yeah, uh, the living, breathing vibe check that is Kanemori. <laughs> um, well, maybe conflict is the wrong word, but um, um drama, it's drama, disagreement, like, and also friction. like this whole uh, yeah. So you, I think. Uh, we're talking about the idea of like um, not letting them play in the make-believe world the whole time. You have to come back to the real world and get stuff done. Um, yep. And I just want to take this moment to say, I, I know, like, I'm mad at myself for agreeing with that take. Um, oh, hey, I'm yeah. I'm yeah. some fuck that noise. Uh, tell tell me more. <laughs> well, what? From a personal point of view, what I want from the show <laughs> is like I I don't I actually don't want there to to exist uh, 
some sort of moment where, and then the girl's enthusiasm was finally dampened. You know what I mean? It's just gone. And then they were depressed and had to rally back. Like, I, I, this week, today, January 21st, 2020, that's not what I want from this show. The show is mm. feeding me through their enthusiasm and imagination. And more so than like, here's like a realistic portrayal of how anime gets done. Like that stuff is interesting. Yeah. And like, I'm good with like that being bits and pieces of the show. But, um, but it also isn't a documentary. It needs to have the, you know, something else. I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go away from the greatest world. And again, it just may sound contradictory to what I was saying, because I was just saying the first half was a little bit like, um, Oh, we're just running it back again. But they actually, in episode one and two, and the second half of episode three, I think they they kept doing, like, going to the greatest world, doing their uh, vivid kind of play of the imagination, but it was really different each time. There, I think there's a way that you can keep doing this without it feeling um, repetitive, and and that's what I want, like, that... That is what nourishes me in the show, uh, is the characters, the characters playing, the ca- the mm, characters play, like because yeah. that's 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 often what it is actually, or what it was in the early episode. It wasn't even creating a product; it was just play, creative synthesis, mm-hmm. and nerding out, if you will. Yeah, and and just how the power of that can unite these really different people. I mean, you know, Mizu would not be in the same orbit as Asakusa. Oh, yeah, without, right. Yeah. Without that, like, because she's a, like a that class, Instagram Classified model. in such, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. Kanamori has a different set of interests and priorities, but, like, I think this is what you're going to talk about next. Even she gets pulled in, like, she can't stop the, gra- yeah. the gravity of yes. the play. It's you're too right. much for her, you're you right. know, and... Well, I love that. That is what I love about the show the most. If I if I may address your point, um, like I absolutely do agree with you that like I think as I've watched more and more of this show that I don't want it to go full blown like grimdark, like you know. In fact, no. You know what? I'm going to compare it to because that in itself is a very wonderfully animated show, and we actually mentioned the studio made for. Let's talk about Sound Euphonia. Like, Sound Euphonium is in some way kind of like Azekin plot-wise a little bit, by which I mean, we have an end goal. We've got a certain amount of time to do it in. There is a lot of, like, you know, uh, creative differences and such that we have to work over, etc., etc. Now, obviously, there's no flights of fantasy and stuff in that, unless you want to talk, like, you know, about... Uh, I can't remember a name now. God. Let me just... I'll come. I'll rewatch Sound Euphonium, and then I'll pretend, Are we talking, that, you know... The, like the main character you're talking about? Yes. Um, that's Kim- Kimiko, I believe? Kumiko, there yeah. we go. Kumiko, like, you know, the, unless, like, you know, talk about Kumiko, like, you know, eyeing up Rainer every now and again mm-hmm. or whatever, but anyway. Uh, it's all about so, Asuka. <laughs> all oh, about it is. Asuka, it is. Easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. One. I'm just saying. Uh, but anyway, um, like, that show, like, you know, otherwise needed that to operate because it was otherwise, you know, just going to be, hey, we played a song and it works. Um... But, like, in the case of Azek and, like, I'm willing to, like, you know, dial back 
on, you know, wanting it to be a four-wheel drive. But I do think that needs to happen because the show has already, by its own admission, stressed that there are difficulties in getting things off the ground. Money is one of them. Uh, having the necessary facilities and necessary support. Having, like, you know, a focus. Not, like, a laser focus to the point where it loses, like, you know, the enthusiasm you spoke about. But at least having a sense of structure in how you want to create the thing that you're going to create. Um, so... I think it would be a little hypocritical naturally to the show's detriment if it was completely conflict-free. Because it is admitting to us through the things it's shown us that it's not an easy thing to create an anime. Not by a long shot. I mean, Kanamori in her own, like, you know, uh, sardonic way did say, hey, you've got to work for 50 days and 50 nights straight if you want to do a full-blown thing. Good luck with that. Um, so... I think it is going to be necessary to have some conflicts in this. And I don't mean like full-blown, like, you know, fighting each other or anything like that. But there are going to be, to be there's going to need to be some boying of heads. That's a necessary part of any, creating any project is to begin with. Do you think the, I mean, the conflict will just be rather than in the group, like, you know, group A, group member A versus group member B, it'll be like them versus the deadline or them versus, uh, the MIBs. MIBs, or I don't know, some kind of uh, external force rather than amongst well, themselves. Well, that, well, that, well, that was the episode one thing that I talked about, where the external force was the thing that ultimately, you know, infiltrated uh, the world that they created with the dragonfly. And then in episode mm-hmm. two, the you know the external force was like the weather, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. the fragile, like how external forces, like you know, leave this like <laughs> thing that they've crunched up but haven't made real or solid uh-huh. yet. Like they're so fragile. Three is the building. <laughs> um, well, well, yeah, like you know the the building itself that looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> so uh, um, so yeah, um, I think that is going to be necessary to have some conflict. But when I say conflict i don't again mean like they're literally yelling each other's faces there's tears everywhere <laughs> anything like that you know where uh, it goes sound euphonium levels of like you know people like yelling toradora <laughs> just the yeah, yelling fights I, yeah pretty pretty much yeah it doesn't need to be that but as i say i think it would be actually you know contradictory of the show if it didn't have that all because it has been so honest with us thus far of hey do you want how they got the start they inherited a load of tools that they found in the shed uh, they managed to get some money through injuring one of themselves. They had hand-me-downs from the wealthy member of the group, uh, you know. And the practical reality of making a show is such that they've had to downscale their ambitions significantly to just doing a five-minute piece in time for this, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, a three-minute piece before it was all said and done, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I again, like that's why I think it's necessary to have a bit of conflict because otherwise, if there was no conflict. They would just create anything they wanted. What's wrong with that? And th- there isn't anything wrong with that. But I think it would also be disingenuous, you know, like to. I, I hear you though. I hear what I, you're saying. I, I think I think Saka people in particular would be like, this doesn't reflect the reality of it whatsoever. It's completely and utterly impossible to do it in this time frame. Or yeah. Well, and they they do say like we can't do five minutes because you would have to work fifty one days without sleep according to like yeah. the math of 12 frames per second or whatever but like yeah which you and i which you and i have discussed before i've gone into those calculations mm-hmm. on this podcast at various points I, I think yeah i mean i see what you're saying i think the nod that it made last episode to pay and the sort of larger situation looming over anime about the the working conditions and the unfair pay probably like 
to, to me indicates that yeah they they uh, share your concern and won't want to won't want to show it as like here's a magical thing where you can do whatever I'm sure they'll sh- they'll illustrate the fact that this is hard fucking work um I guess yeah I, I really I don't want them to be crushed uh I don't no, want, don't do you know I what I mean that. like I don't want uh like they they've laid I, f- I feel like that if in the hands of a different person you know they could take the seeds laid here between Kanemori and Mizusaki and like really lean into that conflict of making the kind of art I want versus um, making a product that will impact people so you can get more money to make more stuff. Like that, that groundwork has been laid. But my question is just like, how, how far is it going to go into that? And I just, yeah, like, uh, the, the drama is is not what I want to see from this show. I want this group to no. remain tight, and I want them to continue to imagine. I want them to continue to create and not have their creative spirit stifled. No, I'm in agreement. I mean, speaking to someone who himself, like, you know, whose enthusiasm for writing burned out a while ago, I wish this show was rekindled a little bit. If I ever get the time, I will probably go and give it another go at Um I, I do agree with you from that perspective that it's nice to you know like have unchallenged creativity be the thing is and just be embraced and adored for you know for that yeah. um it's difficult uh it depends i think really on who you are as a person and what you how you feel about what the show should be telling you mm-hmm. um, yeah, i'm just speaking for me by the way not yeah you. and i'm sure people uh similarly feel uh might very often in fact you can tell us in chat how you might feel like do you want you know maybe this could be even a, po- a poll we could do like do you want you know should there be conflicts uh in the show in order to make it more authentic to like the difficulties of creating an anime or should it simply be a celebration of the creative spirit without any real challenge so to speak i again certainly speaking for myself don't want it to be like you know a dower like you know big like you know angry drama fest you know when things really go to pot uh but at the same time don't want it to be challenge free because uh, again think that would be disingenuous to the sh- what the show is trying to get across which is as it's already demonstrated there is a lot of difficulty i mean you know the amount of work they have to put to create this thing like on their own uh that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult I mean, you can say best. Maybe not conflict, but obstacles. You know, momentary things. Well, they. I think I, it's my opinion that they've had they've had an obstacle. I think every episode, um, there's just been an external one, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the building, uh, the MIBs, uh, the heavy bid, <laughs> the, the the deadline, uh, the the looming deadline, and the and everything this time. So. I don't think that there's a, a want of those. So I think we're all set there. But I guess the question yeah. is, do you think that interpersonal conflict in the group is a thing that they should do? I think, well, the thing is, like, you know, I've, I mean, I've had arguments with friends in the past about uh, stuff, and we've come out stronger for it. I'm not saying that you necessarily have to go through in order to get the best results out of something. Mm-hmm. But it has happened. It is a reality of, you know, collaborative process. Mm-hmm. As people who've ever gone to university and, like, you know, tried to do group projects can attest to. They're a fucker. <laughs> always get that, you always get that one prick 
who doesn't actually contribute anything to the entire project, just sits there, you know, chump like bums up every single like you know week, puts you know just like doesn't do anything, and then he gets like you know equal credit. <laughs> yeah, <It's just> like... <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> right. Sure. So, so, yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I'm still in disagreement. I, I think there. that uh, just. I think yeah. that I think the show, if it's going to make that work, though, really does need to strike a balance. But I can't also see how it's going to suddenly veer into like a much more serious tone it already has. I think it's got it just right at the moment, to be honest. It's just introducing different layers of it, different ways in which it works. And indeed, like I say, you know, uh, Mizuzaki and Asuka, like they, you know, they have their differences of like what they want to animate. And Mizuzaki seems pretty pumped about defending her point on that that she wants to do this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as you say, Kanamori steps in and says, why don't we do both? I think if I'm going to be super reductive here. Oh, man. Really boil it down. The feeling that we get from this show has so far been largely like, uh, it's been a delight. You know, it's been yes. uh, very yes. joyful. And the question is, is, do the people making it want that to shift and want the audience to feel stress. And I don't want to experience that as an audience member. And I think the interpersonal conflict would create that feeling. And it, and you boil it de- down to something as simple as what's the feeling we want to evoke from the show. Um, mm-hmm. Then I think, I, I hope that the creators share my feeling on it. And again, I'm only talking for just for me. I'm not talking about what will be best for the show or what will be <laughs> don't best li- for everyone. Don't listen to the bald man. Um, don't listen to him. He is a doomsayer. <laughs> he is a prophet of the end times. Mm-hmm. I think even more so than like, is this sort of realistic? Because uh, you're never, like you said, it's, you're never going to get documentary levels of realism. But I think no, the, should the you. greater... Be, be pretty dull. The greater concern, I think, should be like, how do we want to leave our audience? Like, what do we want them coming away with? And I'd like for it to continue to be delight. We don't want a Vinland Saga episode no, 24 no, again. indeed not. <laughs> Which was still great in its own right, don't get me wrong, but the show would, of course, build up to that. Okay, uh, so, next point from me, and this is something that you uh, very nicely set up for me, is if there's one thing we've learned about Kanamori uh, throughout the show thus far, she has always had the right perspective, generally speaking. Like, she's got, like, the good, like, middle ground of, like, making them work, you know, get stay focused on the task at hand, but also accepts that, you know, that Mizuzaki and Asuka's is, like, you know, creative spirits. They should be nurtured and allowed to, mm-hmm. you know, roll with it, rather than being, you know, stifled. So you might think, you know, that she's herself, like, you know, completely flawless or unable to, like, you know, be distracted by the same things that they are. But as we see in this episode, she gets so embroiled in the spaceship fantasy when she breaks through the wall that she has no idea they've already solved their own problem. You know, of them trying to get down from the roof. She's not immune. We get to see yet another side to her that she's, you know, got her own flaws and that she, you know, for all of her pragmatism, all of her let's stay on task Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) She herself can have the horse blinders on a little bit, you know, too much. Mm -hmm. Yes. To the point where she will jump through a wall. So great. I mean, what the fuck? Why did I she mean, not I mean, use I mean, the door? I, know, I mean, walls are just a suggestion to her. Let's be honest. Was the door blocked by the desk? 
Why did she dive through the I wall? I think she may, she may not she may not have noticed. Like she just thought maybe they were in such desperate need that she would just try and get outside as quickly as possible. Which, like I say, you know, no clipping gauge. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, again, I t- vote Connor Moray twenty twenty. Write it in your write it on mm-hmm. your ballot. <laughs> it, yep. So we again learn that through the uh, you know the animation here and like the blending of the fantasy world and the real one. That hey. She's got her own flaws as well. She's just as, you know, capable of, like, being lost in a flight of fantasy as the rest of them. But on top of that, I need to know Askuz as well and the lunch scene because she, in turn, like, you know, is very practical about what they need to do. Like, we need to form with storyboards and a script. And that's completely in contrast to what we saw earlier, which was that she was distracted by a butterfly and a raccoon and then went on a long, like, you know, voyage through space trying to, like, paint, you know, her space shuttle. <laughs> When the chips are down, like, when she's actually got someone helping her focus, Asakusa is completely on point with what needs to be done. She then is the one who's offering the practicalities up, as opposed to Kanamori. So, we again get to see different shades of the characters, and that they're not always completely either, you know, distracted by the creative process, mm-hmm. or deaf mm-hmm. to it, as can, as we might see with Kanamori, but rather it's a moment-by-moment thing, and these are flaws that they could potentially then have to overcome, all work together with you know to try and mitigate so they can get the thing done small little things like that but they're still there and they still help you know show that you know like help develop them and show different sides to them and i again think that's pretty neat yeah yeah for sure um okay allow me to talk to you about what i think may be the most important uh if not now then as the show kind of endures over time, the most important arc in the show. Oh boy! And is it going to be? Is it going to be the struggle of uh, you know Uranium Beardman? It's not, unfortunately. I'm it, sorry. Is 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 sorry? Oh, it's I, that's my relatable content. <laughs> is he a rock? He's a rock oh. man. Um, oh. No. Well, this won't necessarily be relatable, but more like uh, perhaps didactic in some sense. Um, but so we have, like you said, the the arc of. Uh, how anime is made. You know, we're learning mm-hmm. over time. The character arcs, how they're growing. Uh, what This arc that I'm speaking of, one that really interests me, is like um, uh, what anime does. Um, you could say the value of anime, but maybe like uh, the capability, the co- different kinds of things that anime can do. Why as animation as an art form uh, become popular and why is it endured over time? Well, why is it important? So we've seen before how, uh, you know, it can take you to imaginary worlds. We talked about in our episode one how uh, Asakusa has this uh, perspective where she can show the unique qualities of really ordinary objects or locales or neighborhoods and show like they're extraordinary if not in in the empirical space like in my mind and i will yes like communicate that to you right um in this episode we get to hear mizuzaki talk about how animation can make the ordinary extraordinary when it comes to movement when it comes to movement and specifically the movement of people, which I think is a huge kind of step because up to this point, we've kind of talked about how 
anime or animation can make the world, nature, inanimate objects, um, bright and wondrous and special. But this is actually a big move that, like, you know, saying anime can make the ordinary extraordinary when it comes to the way people move, like, you need people for that. Um, so anime can actually help us shake our head and look at actual people in a different way in our actual lives. Like, it can begin with something as simple as, like, you know, the way their arms moving. Like, wow, like, I never really thought about, like, how people move around. Um, or I never really thought about, like, how someone might hold something when they're a certain way. And then if a person is thinking, if a person is engaged with that thought, that could go to a lot of uh, really good and productive places in terms of getting us as people to notice each other. You know, we might have the, the, the more of this arc in future talking about how people interact with each other or how people's emotions are displayed on body paper. language and such. Yeah. Um, or how people talk to each other. Um, so anim animation as an art form, getting to notice, not just, not just like to, to make motion, this really cool thing that this mundane thing that we take for granted. Cause we all do it be like, ah, oh, this is amazing and special. Like, yes, they do that. But that's, I think the sort of, bare minimum of what they do. I think they open up this whole door of possibility here for animation uh, is like a vehicle for artists and for regular people to take notice of other people. And like, once you walk through that door, like you have taken the first step to like all kinds of ways that animation can actually like bring people think together. Like, kind of more use it. Yeah. And and now you reminded me, like, I wanted to bring this up just as a small thing, but I love that scene of Katamori uh, using the uh, chopsticks as she's discussing, like, the plan. Mm -hmm. And there's something very sinister about yes. it in her <laughs> own kind of way, which is super cool. I like that. But yeah, um, well, I'll elaborate on that further, and I'll say, like, the other thing, like, you know, that is important about animation as relative to live action is escapism. Because, let me put it this way, folks, right? Let me give you a mental experiment here. Let's call this a, like, you know, a thought exercise. Let's say you have a scene written in your script of someone walking down a road. And that's it. It can be for however long you want. It's just a plain road. You can film that in live action or you can do it in animation. What, therefore, is the difference when otherwise the scene is constructed identically, notwithstanding the uh, medium in which it's created? I think for me, the thing about animation is that Simply by it just being animated as opposed to live action, even though they are shot identically in this like little hypothetical I've come up with, um, it has an element of escapism that exceeds that of live action inherently. Mm -hmm. Because it is not immediately recognisable as the real world and therefore feels like a different place. Again, this road otherwise would look exactly the same in the two hypotheticals I've come up with here. Um, and that in turn, I think, ties into two of our characters here, uh, which is, of course, Mizuzaki and Asakusa, which is for their own reasons, one of which is, you know, personal repression at the hands of, like, you know, you must become this thing that you were told to be, versus Asakusa, like, having, you know, lived a life, you know, of relative, uh, not poverty, but rather, you know, uh, 
further down the socioeconomic sure. ladder, so to mm-hmm. speak. You know, like you know, for them, escapism, it's the end goal, prompted for them some something for them to seek out from different like you know circumstances on the opposite ends of the chain, if you will. And that's why I think they're both drawn mm-hmm. to it. And I think that's why, in turn, you and I can all often be drawn to it as well. Like, you know, why we prefer to talk about it necessarily over live action. Because there is something more fantastical about an animated world than a live action one inherently, even when all the things are equal, I would say. And that's why I think that it has that power, you know. Yeah. And indeed, uh, Navy mentioned Isekai before. Like, Isekai is the purest distillation of that because it is escapism inside a medium of escapism in of itself. So... It fits. It fits with the characters perfectly in help and helping you know us like you know understand why it's such an important medium and why it's something you know that can be quite powerful because they themselves they're not doing it purely for academic reasons like you know just because they like like it for its own sake but because we have background details that we can infer from that help inform their mm-hmm. actions and so I think that again like Asa can deliver like building on that in a kind of meta way a little bit that's also pretty neat in its own right. Yeah, I think what you're talking about touches on why anime is such a great medium or animation, I should just say, is such a great medium for like science fiction. Um, because, mm. and you know, anime was, gosh, was it Fred Patton? I think that talked about anime as like when, when trying to sell or encapsulate anime, it's like this ideal of animated science fiction from Japan. Like that and at the time, that was a lot of what was being made. Um, uh, but yeah, it lends itself to that, like you said, because immediately you have that abstraction uh, from the real world, and uh, with and, and without, I think without that foundational layer, it's tough. But because you have that, then you can do all sorts of fun, crazy, cool things with, you know, the limit is your imagination in terms of what you draw, right? And uh but but ironically enough like these things because they're abstracted from reality like they can be these great tools to talk about our world in the same way science fiction is right um because like there's no real corollary to those stories but like um but but they work for precisely that reason right you've talked about before why you like science fiction well, I thought it was just because of the big robots mm-hmm. and, well, the yep, I, and, the, and, the, and the pew pew. <laughs> I mean, the but secondary no, like, reasons, I, not the obvious ones. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, you know, big ideas, like, you know, where we can be in the future, like, you know, and how technology can change people for the better or for the worse, even, you know, how we react to that kind of thing. Um, and I think also, if you reverse that, that might also be why some live action adaptations of anime works fail, because they lose that added layer of escapism. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say Ghost in the Shell, for example. Now, that film obviously had a lot of problems in itself. I'm talking about the Scarlett Johansson one. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Memoro issue. <laughs> no, I baited you. Baited like, you. My problem. Don't, don't mess that with me. That film has I no put, problems. I will put, I will okay, may, well, maybe it it's a little talky. It be a little bit, but it's, rather, yeah, you know, it's, a it's a great movie, but no, you got, the Scarlett You one. got baited and sucker <laughs> punched. I really there, did. Okay. But, like, that film has many problems, but I think that, you know, for a the original, which was about, you know, the lead character, the major, like, questioning her own identity and her own reality, you know, can I, uh, you know, truly understand, like, what's going on around it? The very Descartes-like kind of thing of how can I trust my own senses? If you then take that away and make it, like, you know, more grounded as something we can recognize through live action, 
then you do shave off the edges of that particular material inherently. Now, I must stress, folks, that there are times when live action can do incredible, like, you know, uh, escapism, like Guillermo del Toro's works in particular come to mind. You know, there is a time and a place for all mediums. Uh, I'm certainly not saying one is necessarily better than the other, but in turn, some appeal to people more than others. And, well, if you know anything about me from all I've ever talked about myself on this podcast when I might have gone a little too real, I'm always a little bit fond of escapism for that reason. So, that's why I like anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just and, think, well, like, um, escapism as a term has some negative baggage. Like, I prefer, like, it's abstracted from reality. Because, like, not all of it, you know, I mean, I indulge in, like, a ton of sci-fi and fantasy, but, like... A lot of the time, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like running from the real world so much as I just well, enjoy. No, no. I enjoy being transported to other places. Um, it's well, less of an true. escape yeah, and more like a, a sort of willful, again, abstraction mentally that I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's a it's an exercise, and you know, uh, call me a semantic like fool, imagine. if you will, a pedant. No, no, that's that's <laughs> it. That's fair. And indeed, this is why some of the worst examples of Iskai is at present do cases to the kind of totally. incredibly nihilistic escapism totally. that people are into. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, I think that otherwise brings us to the end of our talking points. I, I don't have anything else to add. I take it. Uh, you okay, Doc? Do you have anything else um, to throw in there? Just some quick bits. Um, oh, boy. Pouring one out on. to the departed 30,000 yen. Hilarious. I love that scene. The moment of silence for the 30K. <laughs> Um, was it was Askuza insinuating that she could just injure herself again for it? <laughs> I hope not. Please don't do that. I mean, there's no cottage industry, and you know, like, I mean, she just needs to become like the new Johnny Knox. Oh, sweet Jesus! I'm just saying, yeah. Jakasu. Um, oh God. So, uh, in that scene where they are, uh, how do you call it? Um, when they are at the. Uh, God damn it. Why did I forget her name? When they're at uh, Asakusa's house looking at her idea scrapbooks, right? And they flip to the first page. Mm-hmm. Is When the music first starts playing, is that meant to be a Ghost in the Shell reference? Because that's what I immediately thought of is like that, uh, that uh, the, the sort of gray city with all the like billboards and signs and kind of dirty. That's immediately what I thought of. And especially with the music they used. Um, on that just part. missing a plume of fire and then it could be blade runner i know <laughs> no no neon but, 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 <laughs> they, they need the neon for but, the blade runner oh there needs, there needs to be tons of neon in cyberpunk I'm, I'm just saying like you know if your cyberpunk is drab and gray miss me with that shit miss me with that uh but i don't know i'd have to go back and have a look but i mean i couldn't tell what the other ones were if they were indeed references i mean the minecart one was maybe maybe that was a, a ghibli thing um no, for sure, for sure. Uh, but I think uh, Cesar says the Neo Tokyo style is common in mini anime. Um, I just remember that particular. It's not common in real life, though. Where's my cyberpunk? I know, picture? right? Um, where, where, why is nothing neon around here? God fucking damn it! I think certainly for me and my biased view in the West, Ghost in the Shell is sort of the er example of that. And I've seen the movie enough times to where like that particular layout. It's not just the different elements. Not just there are billboards, there are buildings. They are. It's like 
the combination and specific placement looked like a shot from Gids. Um, but Donkey Kong Country, yes, ex- thank you. You, you, know, you know, I was going to... I'm glad somebody else said it and not me. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, I think that might be the last little bit I have. I loved when they are um, the girls are wandering around the concept art in the flip book again. That's one of my favorite favorite things in yeah the show. literally li- like that's such a great visual like metaphor for the for exploring they are literally exploring Asuka's concepts and not just simply look at like it'd be so easy just for like you know them to animate them pouring through the book page by page and we have like an over-the-shoulder shot of like what they're looking mm-hmm. at but again this show like and Saki Asa and Sai Saru and the original creator uh well they know how to like literally draw you like how how it's important to draw you in literally mm-hmm. to it because again it helps sell like what it's like i said about smiling the forest spirit like how the characters themselves are infused by it helps sell it to us that is very very important in my opinion yeah, yeah. that's all, all right. i got um well i think that brings that brings us to the end so doc would you be willing to give us a recap on the polls before we close tonight's stream out definitely will let me hit refresh to update them and we're getting the reload all right we got four polls today that you can vote on at Waterway Desho on Twitter. Poll number one is Kanamori a walking vibe check? And uh, 100% say she be. Zero votes for she don't be. Um, six days left to vote on that. If you do not feel that is an accurate description of, uh, of our favorite uh, producer. Poll number two, Kanamori 2020 question mark? 100% say we're voting yes. 0% say Woo! stay home. Woo! Um, poll number three. Are you two a fan of Slipknot? Slipknot? That, ooh. Ooh, ooh. that sounded wrong. Oh, I'm going to get banned from YouTube. Uh, SLP. Well, KN- that's it. 90, 90 day YouTube jail again. Thanks, Doc. <laughs> I mean, I swear like a sailor, but you had to go and push that it was, just uh, over the edge. That was the gold medal. Uh, I, I inadvertently... Also, your web your webcam is now tripping mm-hmm. out. Like, as your webcam's profanity filter yeah. kicks in, yeah, ninja's about to descend, clad in the red. Are you, of are you gonna get? Are you gonna? Are you gonna get unregistered hypercam appear on the top <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So this poll for this band, uh, it's two thirds, one third, two thirds say we stand, one third say not my thing. And poll four. Does the show need more character conflict to honestly depict the anime creation process? 80% say no. Again, it's early days for all these polls. and Well, it's, it's standard at this point. Like, you know, I've got my opinions, and then everyone's like, nah, you're full of, you're full of it, shots. <laughs> <laughs> Democracy never You've lies. You've got your opinion, and then the right answer is the other thing. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, those are the polls. Again, get out and vote. Mario Desho on Twitter, and we'll read the results. And Gowan Vo in yeah, general. In general. Uh, but we'll read the results of this lower stakes voting next week. Um, now, Shadon, we will. rate the episode. Yes, boss, I will. <laughs> All right. Um, like every episode of Aizuken thus far, right? I mean, obviously, it's indulged in all of the fantasy creations that they've come up with, like, you know, the dragonfly firefight, and then, you know, the uh, bombing of that building to, like, dr- bring the water out, get the windmill going, uh, and also then, of course, what we've had in this episode with the spaceship and such like that. 
but what I also really appreciate is that it's always bringing us something new that helps flesh out this, like, you know, process they're going through. We're getting all the technical details, you know, we're getting the differences in, like, you know, animation styles. And it's never, like, you know, purely in a vacuum and so technical and dry that it's not interesting, like, to think about. First, because of the way it's presented. Like, we're getting living examples of this as we go along, like, on how things differ. Like, with that amazing, like, Ronin character that Mm -hmm. uh, Mizuzaki comes up with that's just done, like, on grey background that looks incredible. And then it still keeps it relevant to the characters. Again, not deep character drama here. We're not talking Vinland Saga. That's not what it needs to be, and I'm totally cool with that. But it doesn't even, like, it doesn't necessarily need to do that, but it still does. Like, everything is important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've said before, like, about shows where, like, you know, small details matter. And they do here as well. And obviously that's got to be a big deal for a show like this that is about the creation of anime. You've got to have a thing about the small details. But it's hitting the small details in every area. And I really, really like that. And it's still funny. Like watching Kanamori just like, you know, go straight through that sheet metal like it was nothing. And then the amazing follow-up of her just like taking the ladder and putting up in sharp quick cuts. I mean, funnily enough, that's then actually highlighted by Mizuzaki Lear with the discussion about the sharp cuts like, you know, for the tank fight it's the same thing Mm -hmm. you're seeing it already in the episode early on and then you're seeing explained later this is all amazing amazing stuff i absolutely love it it doesn't quite reach episode one for me but i am going to race it equally to episode two so with that in mind i will give this 4.75 metal uh, slug concept (laughs) out of five very good um so you've mentioned before shadon that uh Many times, like, you like to rewatch things to see if, like, you as a person were, like, in a different headspace when you were watching it. Oh, and I have been, believe me. And that affects, like, you might think a thing is better or worse on a rewatch. So, this is a long way for me to intro that I don't know if it was just me, but, again, like, the first half of this episode until the um, deadline was introduced. Like, I don't think it was bad, but, like, the first two episodes of the show, episodes, episodes of the show, like, had my brain just, like, it was like a like a boiling pot of water, just bubbling and crack. Like, it's so much excitement, um, so much mm. possibility. But the first half of yeah, the... Yeah, it's never, it's never not a joy to watch this show, I'll say that much. But the first half didn't have me, did, did not have my brain in that place. My, my brain felt very much like... Um, all right, A to B, B to C, and here we go. Um, but as you say, the execution was was still great, and it was still really delightful to see. But again, just because it didn't uh, pop for me on this day when I just watched it a few hours ago for the first and only time, uh, I think only for that reason I'm going to have to give it a 4.5. Uh, Ooh, no, you did, rusty you helmets did not. out of five. Yeah, you I did am. not. Still excellent. My God, we have it. It's the red. It's the red letter day where Doc <laughs> rates something worse I than know. me. Holy shit! Um. Oh f- f- well, there you go. You can always explain it, was... it all. It's the episode directs the works on guilty crown. <laughs> Although then again, then again, the theory would be that I would rate it lower as a result. I've raced it higher. Mm-hmm. Maybe that Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Could be. Um, Could be. I mean. But I mean, but I love this episode. It was fantastic, just not as fantastic as the previous two to me for half of it. I mean, Doc, it is your God-given right as an American to be wrong, so you exercise that myself. I will. 
Shine on, shine on, you crazy diamond. Oh, salute oh, to you Jesus from Christ. across the Atlantic. No, I, I kid, I kid. Um, there's one quick thing I'll add, by the way, that I just want to point out as a moment of positivity, which is seeing like the collective anime like Twitter sphere that like I oh. kind of either follow or otherwise see like bleed through from retweets and osmosis and all that sort of stuff, like just really get behind this and seeing what people have said about how much they enjoy the show just because it really is like pure like enthusiasm joy and happiness distilled into like 24 mm-hmm. minutes i loved i love that people are enjoying it so much like i think that there's something very like in fact you know what i will say that i think i've just realized um you and i have covered a lot of shows before like where there is that kind of drama element which we appreciate oh i love it like you know for love worth, it. like yeah, like like in Mob Psycho, for example, like you know where you have like things like with Reagan and Mob, like you know having their you know tiff because mm-hmm. Mob rightly wants to have his own like you know agency and do what he wants to rather than being at Reagan's. But anyway, I'm not going to recite the plot of that. But if there's one thing that I can say like about this show that I think I also really really appreciate, it's completely free of cynicism. It's absolutely devoid of that, and I can't think of many shows that are uh, mm-hmm. like you know completely cynicism free. Now, don't get me wrong, like you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing that there are shows that have that. I'm not saying this Mill Smacks makes it the best anime ever. But rather, I think that for what it's trying to tell us, which is, hey, the creative process is an incredible, like, you know, thing that human beings can do. And it's so delightful and enjoyable when we in-game on it. And in turn, we can spin something from that that other people can enjoy too. As long as, you know, we try and not, like, you know, like, you know, we have to make it happen, of course, mm-hmm. and that can be difficult. Um, but it's never like you know bitter about it like it'd be very easy for like the people at Science Saru to like hit point a little bit of snark here and there about like Animace's wages as we've discussed before and that doesn't mean that that isn't a problem because they don't mention it of course but everything that they've had so far in this show like about the like the difficulties of Crane Eye that's just the workload yep. there isn't anything about the bureaucracy or politics or anything like that they, they are things that exist don't get me wrong but I think that, again, remembering who these characters are, the age they are at their lives, and where they're just stepping down on this path mm-hmm. here. Like, I really appreciate that even if it is going to put problems in their way, they're never of that deeply cynical nature where, you know, it's ruined by, like, you know, higher-ups or whatever, getting in the way, corporate politics, office bullshit, that kind of thing. Um, It's just, it's deeply enthusiastic about itself and the medium it lives mm-hmm. in. I think that's fantastic. I agree. So, I think that's like the mission statement of the show is a lot of what you just said. Damn so. right. It's the greatest will, yep. damn it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's otherwise going to uh, end it for today. Uh, thank you very much to everyone in the audience for joining us and correcting me on my many cock-ups with names. I will probably get some post-it notes and just like <laughs> maybe print off like characters, you know, like print off screenshots of them and just like put post notes over them. Just so I can remember who they are, rather than just like, you know, (laughs) so if you have enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to help support us, there are a couple ways you can do it. Uh, For example, you can cover us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash warriordesho, we've got free tiers, two, three, five dollars. You can get yourself Discord access, the ability to ask us questions week on week about shows we're covering, early access to our second stream podcast, early access to other podcasts that we're doing as well, and even the uh, potential ability to request shows for me or Docs to cover. Uh, feel free to check that out see what you like uh, if you are otherwise you know checking us out say for example on youtube or soundcloud and you know what times are tough not everyone has money to spare like you know support people i understand that 
Um, if you instead want to support us another way, what you can do is you can like, subscribe, follow, share, smash the button. Don't do what Doc's doing, though, where he seems to be, like, you know, wrecking his own desk. And, like, you know, I almost knocked my microphone over, agreement. but I caught it right before it hit. The- yeah, don't. Yeah, we we want you to support podcasts, but please don't smash your microphone <laughs> do in that. doing so. Don't follow Doc's example there. So, yeah, if you want to do that, like, you know, it'll help our discoverability guys out there a little bit. I would really Apple appreciate podcast it. reviews, you, you peons. Write them down. Five snakes. <laughs> write a, a word. Five, five snakes? Five snake review. Five snakes? Like, I don't know where it's from. Is this from. like podcast? So I think this is... Is Ascalad podcast? I'll tell, podcast, you, I'll tell yeah. you where this is. So the stars... Oftentimes when people give star ratings, they give uh, an asterisk. You know what I mean? Like did the asterisk mm. stands in no 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 i mean like it stands in place for the star like if you're literally writing uh. three stars down on your keyboard you do asterisk 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 and the asterisk is also the snowflake and if you want to shorten the snowflake down because you're trying to save time on talking snake that's i think the genesis mm-hmm. of the five snake review <laughs> that sounds like a shady podcast that i also used rusty bucket helmets you, you know as my also metric, true so <laughs> well anyway uh yeah but otherwise uh thank you to everyone mm-hmm. who's joined us who supports us whether it be on patreon or not thank you always yeah, for helping for me make this a really fun experience to do every time we do it um otherwise uh we will see you next week for more azekin uh you can also expect if you're on, uh, one of our patrons to get an after hours coming later today which will be recording yep. after this and then we'll be covering jeweler richard two and three as the week goes along uh but until we otherwise next see you i hope you have a fantastic time uh look forward to azekin four which we'll be covering next week and you know well we stand macross around here so i'll just say it embrace it for everyone it's the end of the universe good night we like to say thank you to our new friend Maso Soundworks for allowing us to use his track GPS as the intro theme. And thanks to our longtime buddy, once again, Garode Music, Michael Kelly, for allowing us to use the track Every Day is Night from Valhalla for the outro music. And a very special thank you to each and every one of our patrons. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash watery show.